Hey everyone, tonight we're gonna jump straight into action because right in front of us there's the longest episode in the history of Everyday Eternal, at least from what I can remember. Big reason for that is the passion, the dedication of our guest, Andrea Mengucci. Now if you don't know Andrea, you might have been living under a rock, which is fair. <laughs> Andrea, I wanna say, is the most famous, most popular, biggest magic player in recent years. Yes, there's more successful people but actually really not that many andreas at seventh in the overall money ranking in the history of the game has performed absolutely outstandingly on the pro circuit including winning the highest prize money event of the entire history of the game the mythic invitational but even that doesn't even come close to what andrea means to the game andrea is one of the most beloved characters one of the most passionate positive voices in the entire community doesn't even matter which format it comes to. Actually, actually, there's one format Andrea doesn't play, and we will explore that for a hot five seconds. <laughs> but today, we're going to talk a lot about modern. This episode is dedicated towards understanding what modern is, and whom better than to get one of the most famous, knowledgeable, and passionate guys out there. So kick back, get yourself a drink, and enjoy the next two and a half hours. And if this episode actually inspires you to pick up modern, let us know on social media at eternal mtg on twitter which deck you ended up choosing because that that that's something i would love to hear about Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 116, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon supporter, Martin, as well as our returning friend of the cast, Bill Schlichting. Hey, good to see you guys. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. It's been three weeks, first podcast of the new year. Is it the first podcast? I think it is. Callum, how's it going? We, we just had to delay the start of the podcast because you, you already are a beer deep into this podcast and you haven't even started, man. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I should have waited to open it for the start. I was like, I just got back from work and, you know, it just opens itself by mistake and it falls into your mouth and there's nothing else you can do about it. But um, I'm good. I'm good, actually. Feeling pretty good. Um, things have been pretty chill in life. Um getting back into the flow of usual things. Managed to play challenges the last couple of weekends, which was really fun. I had like a big break from them. I got nothing like exciting to say, but I've got nothing to complain about as well. Everything is just, just cool. You, you've been trying to break Cory Drinker of Dust or something. Like that's a card that I've seen, last seen like <laughs> 20 years ago or something. Yeah. So, so this Sunday I played like blue white spirits in the, in the challenge. I kind of, as much as I love Painter, I wasn't quite feeling it. I've been playing some like different builds and stuff, and it just wasn't, I wasn't in the mood that day. So I've been wanting to play Spirits for quite a long time because I've thought it's a pretty strong, strongly like a uh, supported tribe. There's like some decent one drop with the Mausoleum Wanderer, and like the Lords are pretty decent, and it has a kind of clunky curve on three, but the cards are not bad. 
and you're in blue and white, so you have Force of Will and Source of Plowshare. So you have a very good base to build off. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it together really quickly. This was 10 minutes before it started. So I was like, I had Painter already rented from Mana Traders. Like, quick, 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 just throw some stuff together. So it's super quad laser. It's just like four of everything. Uh, there was a bunch of cars. I was like, okay, yeah, with more time, you could work out like twos and threes here and there. But um, the deck was pretty cool and actually incredibly fun to play. I've always enjoyed playing tempo based uh like creature decks basically uh, especially spell color is really fun to play with and um i went five two which is above expectations honestly you know i was thinking this could definitely be like a two two into two three into three three into three four uh. kind of kind of thing <laughs> if it, it, it that was my vibe going into it and i was like let's see how it goes and um yeah, I played against some decent decks. I played against like the whole Breach of Days and doing deck twice. Uh, Blue Red Delver once, um, like a prison deck and Sneak and Show. And I've forgotten the, one, the other ones now, but it was a decent spread. Um, some good blue decks played as well. And like one of the losses was completely on me. It was like an earlier round and I kind of just zoned out and it all hinged around me not countering an important spell with Mausoleum Wonder because I just forgot what it does. And, uh, <laughs> the spell or, or Mausoleum Wanderer? <laughs> no, so so they like cycled a, t- a Shark Typhoon and to, to make it bigger and block a spell color that was attacking with like a Hull Breacher underneath it. And so I had a source of power shares and, and I was like, they're tapped out so I can Mausoleum Wanderer force if they force the swords and it's all good. So they do have the Shark Typhoon. I swords the token and then they play a force and then I just click through countering ah, it. Okay, okay. And everything went down for hill from there. So... <laughs> It wasn't like a guaranteed win at all. It was to be like parallel. So I could have definitely lost it still. But anyway, getting back to the deck and stuff, it was actually quite good. Um, the mana base can like be taken advantage of more. I had some mutavolts in, which were pretty bad. But otherwise, like the creatures are decent. The Spirit of the Labyrinth is incredibly good in Legacy right now. If yeah, you, you got hard carried by that, if, if I may interrupt you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like part of the idea was I think this card is good. Um, people are playing Gutshot and like you know random one damaged everything and like there's some plague engineers that pop up so it is kind of weak to those effects but at the same time like the the control decks are all built around drawing cards right they have the sylvan library uro kind of engine for the four color decks that anorag and trunks and stuff have been doing very well well with and then against delver it's always been a good card and stuff and it also just clocks people and like i'm putting it sneaking a show and I was like, okay, if they have a Grezzer brand, I'm fine because I have the spirit, like you try and race it and with Krakus it stops it. So it's just good. And then in the deck you have Rattle Chains, which gives a spirit hexproof on ETBs and also lets you cast spirits instant speed. So I didn't actually get to do it, but in theory you can cast spirit in response to cantrips. Um, so yeah, I think spirit is like part of the reason to keep trying this deck out. If spirit wasn't very good, you probably wouldn't do as well with the deck. But anyway, I'll probably jam it again. It's very, very fun. So should we link your list from from the challenge, or do you, do you want to work on it and and link an updated one, or, or maybe that's just for the Discord? <laughs> no, no, yeah, let's let's link it. I think the only things that I would look into changing is yeah, like Muta Vaults could be something else. Probably there's two wastelands I played. You could probably play four, and then there was some mana problems sometimes. So maybe just add like another Tundra and a Fetch or something. And okay. then Cemetery Illuminator is a cool card that people are asking about. I just haven't tried it. Like it could be really good and I haven't like just tried it at all. So that's another one to try out. There's 12 three drops in the deck already. So it's quite a lot. So yeah. um, you probably have to cut some drugs called captains, which are actually quite good as well. So I'm not really sure what to cut basically like to fairy time reveler would also be insane in this deck because it operates at instant speed all the time, so you get control over the game. And there's a really cool interaction with Teferi and Spellqueller, where like you Spellqueller something, and then you play your Teferi and bounce the Spellqueller, and they can't cast the spell that's underneath it because of Teferi's 
passive Dude, ability. Not gonna lie, all of that that sounds a lot like a modern deck. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> then you're backing you're, you're backing this up with like Force of Will and stuff. So Anethaval and Cavern of Souls. So okay, okay. <laughs> the, I think I think the problem with the deck in the end is probably is it it's a bit clunky. So but we'll cool. see. Cool. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I got the news that I'm being sent to Kenya. I'm being deployed to Kenya. I don't know exactly when it's going to be, uh, something like the end of February, probably beginning of March. Like I kind of want to push it back, uh, because like, of, also because of COVID and also because I know that the hotel is going to be really busy by, by mm-hmm. the end of February and I'm going to be there for like two or three weeks. So I'm super excited for that. The other thing, by the way, this morning I get a message from Matt and Matt is like, Julian, what the fuck did you do? And like, hey, what, what, what's going on? Because you know how I sent him um, packages, like shipments yeah, of yeah. cards from Europe? And for the last one, he instructed me to fill the entire package with rice. Like mm-hmm. cards and then everything else rice. And I even went out and I bought the cheap rice because I have like the good sushi rice that I have and I didn't want to spoil it for that. And I, I did that and Matt was like, I have absolutely no recollection of ever telling you to put rice in there. I was like... Okay, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> like, if you get a package from me with cards and it's completely like a, a giant box and it's completely filled with rice, you must be like a student crazy. And I have no idea what's going on there. Like, I went through my message history with Matt and there's absolutely nothing about that in there. So I'm <laughs> a little bit confused. Maybe you just had like a weird fever dream and you're just like, huh, Matt's ordering like a Nimin rice of Magic Club Market. That, that might be it uh, I, I, this is the first time in my life i'm actually generally like the only other time was when i had a skiing accident and i couldn't remember for like i don't know i basically missed half a day or something yeah I'm, I, I don't know what's going on here but <laughs> maybe you'll wake up and murphy's playable again at least i i, I used rice right not something something that's really weird <laughs> hey julian send everything in like slabs of meat everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether that would get through customs. <laughs> I want see Drano's head in the box. Cool. By the way, before we move on, I, w- I want to get one more thing out there. Mana Traders has tweeted that they are running out, that actually they're having trouble stocking Unmask and Meltdown. This is part of the reason I didn't play Painter. I swear to God. I saw that tweet and I was like, if Meltdowns are sold out, fuck that. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah. I think this, this is for the PTQ though, wasn't it? But still. I, Yeah, and I keep going back to that Unmask is now sold out and how I'm almost sure, but now that that, that, that Rise thing has happened, I, I stopped trusting myself. I'm almost sure that for like many episodes last year, I told you that Reanimator was really well positioned and you always shut me down because of, of Endurance. And I was like, yeah, but I think they're <laughs> really good at be- against beating like one-shot graveyard hate that's coming from the hand as opposed to, you know, like Ley Lines or, or even the, uh, what do we have? Um... Uh, the thing that you, you can play, uh, yeah, for example, yeah. that or the other one where where you can play a black if it goes through graveyard and you draw a card. That uh. trap thingy, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that used to be for like like Marius Harrisman still plays uh, Thomas Krypton. Like what the fuck? Oh yeah. You? <laughs> well, I play Krypton Painter for sure. Yeah, the thing is like yeah. they are weak against that, and I think with people mm-hmm. relying more on that, uh, that's part of the reason yeah. why Reanimator is really good. And that's all. Like I, True. I've certainly got to feel it when when I couldn't really put ley lines in my graveyard and my sideboard because I already had so much one shot graveyard hate there. So yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Our hands in the air. I, I can't actually remember what I said, but I think you're right. I probably was just saying, I think endurance is like a a bit of, not a nail in the head, but like, you know, it just a makes... in the head. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is that the Anorak special? He hit the horse. He nailed oh, no, the horse on the head. Yeah, I remember something that. Like that. But no, no, you're probably right. Um, It's always been one of the most powerful decks in Legacy, right? And it's one of these things where like, because it can just be anything on turn one, if the metagame aligns and it is good for a bit it's it's very very good so yeah i think you've been right so good shout 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I could have also been like totally wrong, <laughs> like with the rise it's, or something. I... <laughs> it is also a deck that, after some strong results, um, like it's the kind of thing that grinders will gravitate to, right? Like non players that play Legacy all the time, so they usually go to Blue Red Delver. But um, so you'll see like larger numbers of that in the kind of PTQ or Premier events. But I don't know Reanimator or like very clearly linear, powerful combo decks will be like favored by good players that aren't super familiar with the format I'll play it very often. And I think this is, you know, like, you know, shattered out even more by Canister winning the, the PTQ before or a showcase challenge with Reanimator. So all the people, not just watching a stream, but like all the kind of grinders saw him win with that. And it's like, okay, well, like if he's chosen this and he's won with it, it's got to be good. So <laughs> the hype effect. Yeah. But I also do think you're, you're right. It probably does be endurance better than I anticipated. So it's just a crazy deck, and uh, the Archon is such a huge pickup for it because it can solo games, and it also just gives you a win condition through, like, surgical or whatever. So, yeah, it's cool. just a big pickup. Cool. So, moving on from Legacy, <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst transition thus far in this year. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about Modern, and we already announced last year that we're going to have a very special guest in our Discord correctly guessed that it's either gonna be the queen of england or andrea mangucci and we were gonna have the queen i think callum is even drinking to what's it called the platinum jubilee or something <laughs> she's don't... on the throne for like five centuries or something i don't even remember <laughs> i don't even know when it is but yes exactly i am yeah it turns out she was busy tonight um we're, i'll, I'll we drink to andrea's up. throne it's yeah fine. we were actually gonna drink to andrea's throne and andrea is gonna come to us tonight and he's gonna tell us all about modern like you guys you were really interested in modern you wanted to hear what the format is like uh, we we, talk, we asked for it in the discord and for me like all i've ever seen over social media over the last like a couple of months where people are saying oh modern is so great it's going to be such a great format we're going to have such a great time and i think Callum, you've also played quite a bit of it so i also doubled into it and tonight this whole episode is basically dedicated to getting an intro to modern so if you if you know what modern is, if you know competitive magic, but you are not really into modern right now, you don't really know what's going on, this episode is for you. If you are like really deep into modern, there's probably not too much to learn about it for you today, but you're going to have our lovely voices. And yeah, I mean, that that's charming enough, right? <laughs> yeah. And with that, Andrea, hey, dude, thank you so much for coming on. How's it going? Hello, hello, welcome. See, well, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this this is your podcast now. It's cool. It's cool. No, I just uh, you know, I, I completely forgot where I was. Or where I, was. I listened to everything about the spirits and, and, uh, and I just this is welcome now. It's cool. We're the spirits floating around, and now we're doing Andrea Eternal. And uh... all right, thank you for inviting me. No welcome anymore. Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Julian and Callum. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Like. For me, you're like one of my favorite players in the game ever, just because your like absolute burning enthusiasm for the game just like shines through everything. Every kind of negativity you see on Twitter and all the things, you're always there, just like you know, shouting out, "Hey, I just first picked this sweet card in cube every day." So I'm just really excited to talk to you about modern and life in general and magic. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think the the way to to phrase it is basically you're the greatest ambassador to the game that mm -hmm. anyone could ever imagine and you don't have to say anything because that's always awkward when people like make a compliment but just take it as this you're the greatest ambassador to magic that there, there could be and i think 
It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Co-signed. We, we fanboyed enough, right? In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. speaking of fanboys, dude, we usually like we ask our Discord for questions and sometimes we also reach out to Twitter, but just our Discord alone. And by the way, you can get there if you support us on Patreon. They had so many questions for you. I think I, I had to edit out some of the the weirder ones. Uh, shout outs to uh, Kai Savatari, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't weird. It was a very good question, I thought. Yeah, somehow we're skipping it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I I think we're, we're going to jump right into the first couple ones that are all about Italy. Like people are really interested in learning about Italy. Like, like I, I kind of take it for granted. I've been to Italy so many times. It's just like so close to Germany and we go there all the time. But yeah, we, we have listeners from all around the world and they are really, really interested in Italy. So why don't we start with that? Yeah, let's go. Cool. So first question, what do you like the most about Italy? What will people traveling from around the world to Italy enjoy the most there? I think the, 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 the obvious answer has, has to be the food, right? Like <laughs> of course, whenever, right? <laughs> whenever I, whenever I say to anyone that's not, ma not, not playing magic that I, that I am, a, that I'm Italian, the first thing they ask me is about the food and uh, even to the magic player. I mean, food is just such a big part of our, uh, of our, um, you know, just lifestyle culture. Yeah, lifestyle culture. Like everyone is a great cook. I mean, maybe <laughs> you know, like my father is a great cook. My 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 mother, my grandmother. So we, I'm I'm like always drowned in in excellent food, and that's guess how <laughs> how it started the the hashtag Menguchi cuisine because I was at I started to take picture for the people at home uh, from other countries of how like. How well you eat in Italy, respect, uh, you know, maybe other countries. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I sometimes choke that, like, hashtag Minguchi Cuisine is, like, one of the top 10 brands in Magic. <laughs> Everybody knows about it. It, it. It's so famous. It's famous, more famous than a lot of players, and, and you really established that. <laughs> yeah, the... Whenever, whenever I go around with, I don't know, my girlfriend or my family, they they always know that I'm going to take a picture if, if a good <laughs> if a good uh, <laughs> if the plate is coming up next. That's perfect. So next question coming up: What's your favorite city in Italy to play Legacy in? Well, it has to be Bologna. In Bologna, not only I played uh, so many Four Seasons, uh, so many Four Seasons, but I also made uh, my my first and only GP Top Eight, uh, GP Bologna 2019. That was such a good time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was there, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that must be Bologna, the answer. Yeah, best memories, right? Yeah, <laughs> cool. yeah, yeah. So, and speaking of, of Legacy in Italy, are there are there any, like, regional metagames in Italy? Like, for example, in, in China, our friend James Xu told us that in, in Shanghai, people play more like, at least back then when I asked um, Dragonstone PS decks and in northern China and in, in Beijing, they played different decks. Is, is that similar in Italy or is, do people like just play every deck everywhere? Yeah, I would say that there's places where, I don't know, if there's a mentor of a specific deck, uh, many people just learn from uh, the mentor. So um, I would say that, uh, I mean, I have an example in my town. So in my town, there's uh, uh, goblins. There's so many goblins. There, there was <laughs> nice. a Four Seasons event, a Four Seasons, you know, one of those like 200 people tournament where two players from my town made the top eight with goblins. <laughs> which is, which it, is I incredible. I don't know. I don't know many goblins player were there, but uh, you know, two of them made made the tough eight with goblins. And maybe in the north, there's a lot of people playing Miracle back when uh, back when Angelo Cade was dominating uh, events with uh, with Miracle. I remember the the people from Milan were mostly playing Miracles. So I would say that uh, yeah, I mean, uh, certain mentors can influence the local meta game everywhere <laughs> in the world, probably. 
Cool. So what do you say, like, Miracles is the typical Italian deck? Because people were asking about that, whether that's, like, a very Italian deck. And, like, when, when you ask me, Mentor, so like, Mentor Miracles is certainly the one that comes to mind. Yeah, I, I think Day's Mentor Miracles as well. Yeah, Claudio Bonanni winning yeah. GP Lille with the uh, four mentor yeah. and Dave, and so many people play that deck. Yeah, I agree. Ment- mentor miracle. I also know there's a lot of Italians that love Stifle Mongoose Delver as well. Right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. it's an old school vibe, right? My my interpretation of like Italian legacy players is you see a lot more pimp decks there. You see a lot more people yeah. like just put their hearts into their deck and just play their thing. And so you see a lot more kind of like old school deck building in a way. Um, not that you guys are like behind anything. You're still on top of the formats as well. Like you have some incredible players, especially online all the time. But yeah, I just always see there's like one or two guys rocking their foil mongoose as well still. It's just super cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, most people play Legacy because they want to remember the, the you know, the old times. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, the power level is raising so much. <laughs> just a little bit. It's not keeping up. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, Daniel Gutschel actually recently played a league uh, where he played like very old school Canadian threshold. And but he was so disgusted by some of the cards. He I think he he replaced like Werber or something. Was like, yeah, I can't play this in Legacy. <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> no, what's it cool. called? Mystic Enforcer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that that's a very old one. That's that's mm-hmm. I think that's GP Lil two thousand five or something. That's <laughs> way back. Yeah. <laughs> nice, cool. So uh, another question about Italy is there. Is there anything that foreigners get wrong or do wrong in Italy? Like any, I don't know, thing that people miss, cultural misunderstandings? I don't know. So the the Italian people are, like, for real, like, very friendly. Like, even if they don't know you, they'll try to, like, especially if you're a foreigner in in our country, we we try to make you feel, uh, you know, comfortable and welcome you. But at the same time, you might feel that are, like, Maybe like trying, maybe not now in COVID days, okay, but like, you know, touching or like hugging or uh, just like welcoming uh, a foreigners might feel like, um, I don't know, strange, but it's really like our way to make you feel, make you feel like, make you feel good, make you, make you feel comfortable. So I would say that it's our, um, yeah, just like our nature of trying to being, uh, trying to be nice and trying to be welcoming to, to other people. Uh, now that you mentioned that, like especially like touching and stuff, I really noticed that when when I went to some um, basically tourism events in northern Italy, and there were colleagues from the US, and I think in the US it's more distance; you don't like embrace somebody or something, and and it was really really interesting to see too. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, the kisses. I mean, again, now maybe with COVID you don't do that anymore, but initially people just you know kiss each other on the cheeks. Um, as, as yeah. a way to greet and that was was not seen like a normal thing for most of other cultural cultures yeah i i can see that being like weird for for people who are not used to it but yeah it's it's i guess it's more of a european thing we don't really do it that much in germany but it, it's also kind of a little bit of a thing i guess mm-hmm. cool so last question um what is everybody like this one was sent out to all of us what is everybody's favorite italian food wine gelato Hello, what, what about you? I, I know you're not a food person, right? <laughs> not massively. I'm going to like just get in trouble with the whole Italy, <laughs> the whole of Italy. Um, I love pizza and I love pasta and I love tomato sauce. So yeah, I'll, I'll say pizza for the food. I don't really have a sweet tooth, so I don't really eat gelato or ice cream or anything. And I don't really drink wine either. So I'm going to run away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah. Andrea, what about you? Well, so the the favorite food is a question that I have a I that I ask like I don't know on a weekly base for sure on my stream like 
<laughs> you can't, but like, you, just so much, which is fine. Like, I guess it's fine. But there's not really an answer because favorite food is such a broad thing. Like, pizza is great, you know, certain, like, carbonara, matricha, so many type of pasta are great. And, uh, I mean, so many desserts are great. You just can't really choose one, honestly. <laughs> there is Tiramisu, zuppa inglese, of course, gelato. Those are like my, my, my favorite desserts. All right, we'll, we'll expect like a long list of 100 best foods <laughs> after yeah. the cast to link after. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a bit like exactly. picking your favorite child, right? <laughs> That's yeah, easy. No, you can't. can't. <laughs> oh, is it kind of okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. And, and I guess for me, like... If if I had to like pick something, of course, there's like many different types types of pizza or pasta that I love, especially when it's like proper fruity di model, right? Exactly. But like, what yeah. what you get in Germany, it's like I once bought it at the supermarket and it was like deep frozen, and I, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean it's not good, but it wasn't good, and I've <laughs> never really bought it ever since. Like I, whenever I go to Milan, um, I, I get it, and then when, you, when you're even closer to the coast, um, I, I just love getting anything fruity di mare. Yeah, food Fuji Fuji so is uh, seafood. Maybe call him. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> I was about to ask and sound really stupid. Yeah, no, for, uh, because uh, I'm, I live on the I live on the on the beach. Basically, my my town is a is a small town on the beach. So during summer, it's just we eat mostly that. Like the restaurants are like filled with like fish based restaurant, and even my father often goes to the to the to the you know fishermans and just that's great you know, buys fish for to cook at home i do really really love uh seafood i say i'm vegetarian to most people because it makes it easy but i do eat seafood when i'm like on holiday or going for a nice meal or something it's incredibly tasty so i i'm excited to come to italy and have some then awesome awesome and for the other ones well for me wine i i'm I, I like wine that I like, but I can't even tell you what it is called or which type. I know that there's a couple of Spanish ones that I really like. Because you get too drunk to remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but maybe. <laughs> Enchilato, um, pistachio. Pistachio? Pistachio? I don't even know how to pronounce pistachio. it. Pistachio. Yeah, that's the this one. That... CH is pronounced like a K in Italy. Ah, okay, okay. I, I'm not going to try to repeat it, but that, that's the one I like. I also really, really like anything like lemon flavored, but I, I don't really get the distinction between ice cream and gelato because in German we are like very simple and stupid. We literally just call it ice. Anything that's <laughs> cold and sweet and you put it in your mouth, it's literally called ice. It doesn't matter whether it's like the thing on the ground or the thing you eat. We, we have no distinction between gelato and ice cream and whatever the else there is. Yeah, in Italian it's the same. We call it gelato in general. But I think that the, the, the main difference comes from the fact that certain type of gelato are like the pre-made one. The one that you find at another bar, for example. Ah, okay. And okay. then there's the, the, the gelato places, the one where they just craft it. Like they craft it there. And that's higher quality. Yeah, and that's higher quality that's called gelato. Artisan, um, you know, it's just a made made by the the gelato place uh -huh, instead uh -huh. of just purchased and like in the in the plastic. I mean, <laughs> you know the classic like gel uh, ice uh, ice cream that you eat uh, around. I don't know. Yeah, at yeah. The bar. yeah. <laughs> cool. So before we jump into modern, one quick thing, just because it's it's such a unique thing um, that has happened and magic that we didn't really have before, um, at least dedicated to a format, and that is the Popper format panel. Where, to quickly sum, sum it up, uh, Wizard was like, hey, we want to work more on this format, but we don't really have the resources. So why don't we get, the th I think it was like five or six people who are very well known for being um, pretty dedicated to the format. And we're going to get them on board to give us some advice how to handle the format. 
and naturally everybody in legacy because that's a talking that has been a talking point in legacy for for a long time now was like hey why don't we do that in legacy and guys without going too deep into it what are your thoughts on that is that something you would be interested in for legacy or how do you feel about that i think that it's i think it's a i think it's a good thing for pauper and i think it's a good thing that even legacy and, and vintage might adopt this thing because if you read the article that uh, gavin uh, verhey wrote you can basically replace the word pauper with legacy and vintage <laughs> and the article would make sense. Like they don't design cards with legacy in their mind. So whenever you see, I don't know, Underworld Breach or Brandon Six, like they didn't think about Wasteland or they didn't think about Brain Freeze, Lions Eye Diamond when they made the card because the card it, like was supposed to do other things. Then like, so sometimes, you know, uh, having some people that immediately contact them and be like, all right, yeah, these are the datas and this is the thing like sure the community the twitter community also does that but i think it's it takes more time basically to reach the the people who make the decisions yeah i think i pretty much agree um it's it's a very new like idea like we've never even come close to like we've had um some people like yeah as you said twitter has a very big voice in expressing like concerns about formats health and stuff but we've never had uh, like wizards say like hey we're here to actually like listen to you. This is the, the subject of this whole thing is them saying we're going to listen to you. So I think that would be a big opening point where like, you know, legacy players who aren't happy with the format currently, a lot of them are just saying like, we want some contact. We want to know if you think the format's healthy or not. They want some like closure, like the people that are saying that they want to ban certain cards. They want to, they want to know if it could be banned maybe, or if it, things are better than they assume and stuff. So I'm apprehensive, like, as with all new things, I think I think my apprehension is a bit misguided. It probably doesn't need to be there, but I would like to see how Pauper plays out first before Legacy and Vintage got these potentially. But if they started, I wouldn't be opposed to it either. I think it'd be quite exciting, honestly. Yeah, there is a bound a bad announcement uh, planned for tomorrow that while we're recording this thing on Thursday. Rest in peace, Atog. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, I'm really excited for that. Not because I'm so invested in Popper, just because I want to see what kind of change we will actually see. Is this going to be like a really big thing or is this just like going to be a very cosmetic, tiny change? Uh, I, I want to see how this plays out for Popper because in the past I've been rather against the kind of idea, um, but more because people were discussing about taking the format entirely out of Wizards' hand and handing it to the community and have it only managed by the community. And I never liked that idea at all. Like, absolutely didn't like that idea at all so for this one i was also like uh let's rather not do that for legacy but if it's still like the final call on wizards i i don't hate the idea uh what i would like is if wizards somehow that's what i put in our show notes as well right had some kind of like mission statement format identity what what they want legacy to be because i think for the longest of times legacy changed very slowly and that that was like a a big thing for people who don't get to play all that much because they can still like come back after half a year or not play as much for half a year and still know what's going on and that hasn't really been the thing so much at, at least it was the, that kind of aspect was de-emphasized over the last year or two so i i would like to see whether wizards agrees with that assessment that legacy should overall be rather slow moving or whether they they like to to mix it up because no matter whether i agree with that or not at least that sense uh, sets the the baseline right that's what legacy is supposed to be and then if you, if you get like a 
format panel, then people can work towards making that a reality. And that is that's my thought about that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I also think your point about it still being wizard's hands is very important. This is where I was also highly skeptical when it was like, you know, this is our format. We're going to take it. We're the players. And then that's where I don't trust things. And that's where you get like splinters of some group thinks this thing, some group thinks that thing. You do need one like governing body to be like, hey, guys, chill. Actually, let, let's do it this way. <laughs> and to any of the skeptics, I would really urge you to go and read Gavin Verhe's article or listen to, he made a video about it as well. Um, he's He's a very, very like, well-spoken methodical person and the way he described it really sold me very quickly i would um yeah go and listen to him he 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 knows how legacy works and he knows how formats work and he he knows how the game works he's a very intelligent chap so if he was involved as well i'd feel a lot more confident about it yeah i mean if they're choosing some people they're of course like not choosing uh uh, the, the 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 person on Twitter that wants to ban twenty cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're choosing. Oh, they're choosing. That goes uh, my chance. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 choosing like I don't know somebody that like Jeff you know, sees the <laughs> sees the data and uh, understand. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things going on, and uh, I agree. And in, I agree. In, gen- in general, I think that if like Wizards obviously wants the best for every format. But at the same time, they don't want to ban every card they print because, like, mm-hmm. they need to yeah. keep the the you know that, that's that's their goal. They have to print cards so that people buy them, so that people play with them. So on one side, of course, like you have the problem of wait, you don't want to ban the card until you print it, which is obviously you just bought obviously like not not a good thing. But at the other at the other time, you don't want to ban it like too uh, you know quickly. Yeah, that that's just like such a delicate balance, right? And. It's, it, you can never get it perfectly, but if, if the the panel is going to even give them some input like before the set releases, I don't know whether that's actually how it works, but that would be like quite huge because if you could stop something like Underworld Breach from ever hitting Legacy, <laughs> that, that would... I know, Callum, you love that deck, but yeah, I guess you could have No, I, I completely it. understand it was broken and needed to be banned. Don't worry. <laughs> I just love playing with it. It's, it's exactly the kind of deck I like. Cool. So yeah, we're we're gonna see how this plays out. Um, for us, the pop announcements tomorrow. For you, it's probably gonna be yesterday if if I can get this podcast out tomorrow on Friday. Um, very much looking forward to that, and we we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think Gavin even said on Twitter that there are no immediate plans to institute this for legacy or or vintage. So uh, I think we <laughs> we're <Yeah>. safe. <laughs> I, mean, like, I was gonna like say a... we're safe, but now that that we've talked about it a little bit more, I've gave given it some more thought. I I. I want to be unsafe. I want to see what happens. <laughs> I think that, so they do this for a commander. And while I don't follow commander, I know that there's uh, basically the same thing going on there. And commander is the most like thriving format in magic. So I, I want to say that, you know, it has, it's working for a commander. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> Actually, you don't play commander. You, you literally play everything. Like, every time I see your like social media, it's like, oh, I played this format. I played that. I, I no, have yeah, my, yeah. my, my Minguchi cube. No, yeah, I do have two decks of Commander, and sometimes I do play it, but I'm not like, you know, I don't play it as much as the other constructed formats that I play on. Oh, I see, I see. Like, I don't know, <laughs> daily or weekly base. Because I don't live in my, in a town with the local game store, and in my town, like, nobody plays Commander. Like, our our friendly format is Cube. Like, we Cube, I don't know, each each two days, I want to say, once each two days, and uh, that's our friendly format, basically. 
Oh, that's amazing. You will have a lot of people move. Do you want to share which town you live in or is that like private information? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I live in Senegalia. It's a beautiful town on the coast, which is really just amazing. Really amazing. Yeah, one year from now, population is going to double. Yeah. <laughs> just cube yeah, on the beach are. and nice seafood. Oh my God. Cool, cool. Yeah, we, we always manage to get three, uh, four, four or six people every oh, once man. in a while and we queue in four and it's super quick like i guess julian hours. julian we have to go and make it eight there's just nothing else we can do yeah, for me it's pretty quick you, you have to fly in i guess i'll move there it's fine <laughs> you, you're gonna move there amazing that's great <laughs> cool so and speaking of amazing formats the rest of the show this is gonna be all about modern now and i'm really excited for this because i used to be really into modern like i everybody knows it came out around 2011 uh proto philadelphia it was like super broken but i loved it i absolutely loved seeing the brokenness unfold And then I had been into the format until like 2017, 18-ish. And that was almost like, this was over four years ago. So I've been really out of modern. And now with everybody talking about how great modern is, uh, we decided to make this episode. And who else to get then? You're not Mr. Modern, you're Mr. Magic. But tonight you're going to be Mr. Modern, Andrea. And you're going to tell us all about modern. We will, I guess, start with a couple of listener questions about the format in general. Uh, and the first one is, I guess we, we just can't get rid of the legacy connection in this episode. <laughs> is there a legacy deck that you wish was playable in modern that, that's just not there yet because it doesn't have the cards or it's not good enough? Yeah, it, it has to be Dover of Secrets. Like Dover of Secrets is this like card that I, you know, I play a lot in legacy and it's, it's very good there with Brainstorm and Ponder. Uh, but in modern, uh, Ponder and Preordain are banned. So the only cantrips that you have is like Serum Visions. And uh, that's not that's not quite good enough. So Delver basically doesn't see doesn't see any play. When when Chandler and Ragavan got printed, um, you know, and 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 Merc that Regent, of course, there was this like blue red deck that also had Delver, but kind of evolved and now doesn't play Delver anymore. And yeah, I I would I would wish that was playable, but that would mean like printing good cantrips, which can't really happen. So yeah, <laughs> it I think it's just impossible. Yeah, I, I would be super excited about playing a Tumper deck in Modern, just because I'm also not really used to what's going on in Modern, so I, I love playing aggressive tempo decks in those kind of formats. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And another card that I love in Legacy, it's 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 Wasteland. I think like definitely one of the one of the beautiness of of Legacy is the free interaction of of Wasteland and, and Force of Will. And um, yeah, Wasteland is another another good one, but, but pe people don't don't really like. Land destruction anymore. We days. invited the right person to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, same. Cool. Uh, second question, and that's basically already approaching what is modern meant to be. What does modern mean these days? And that's all. Like by the by the way, almost all the questions that I'm specifically asking are coming from our Discord. We are sorry we can't mention all of you guys by name. Uh, it's just like too many questions, but we really, really appreciate you really overwhelming us with all those questions. So thank you so much for that. Andrea, how would you define modern's format identity? Like, what is modern about uh, in, in the grand context of Magic, right? We have Vintage, which is like Giga Broken, and everybody loves it for that. And how, how does modern fit in, into that? And has this, this positioning of modern changed ever since it was created? I would say so, yeah. I would say that uh, back in the days, there used to be, there's rule that like games couldn't end before turn four. And uh, they were banning around that, you know, play Blazing Shoal or like stuff like that uh, used to be banned because you couldn't win the game that early. 
now that that is gone, you have like you know decks that can. I mean, Infect kind of broke that already, but um, you you like the format is definitely fast. Like Oopso spells was a thing. They did ban Seaman Spirit Guide, so you can't like win as early as turns one or like Neoform used to be a thing as well. But you still have. Uh, the like the power level will definitely raise with Modern Horizons one and two when you don't have any rule anymore. The rule that you have, I think, and the format identity of Modern is that you have to. Um, I mean, it kind of sounds weird right now, but like you have to pay mana to cast your spell. And well, <laughs> well, that's not even true because they just printed a five mythic um, uh, incarnations: the Solitude, the Endurance, and etc. You don't have the amount of interaction for free that you get in, in, in legacy. So as I mentioned before, like the days, the forces and, and then, and the wasteland. And then that I think slows the format a bit more. Also, modern is very much like creature centric. So one of the reasons why Ragavan isn't uh, as busted in modern as in legacy is that everyone packs uh, a, a million of removal spells. So, you know, whether it is the new, like, Annoy Heath Prismatic Ending, you also have, like, Fatal Push and Lightning Bolt, which are, of course, like, super popular. So, I would say that decks are very much ready for creatures. If you look at the top, like, I don't know, X creature, uh, X decks, they all play creatures. You're not going to be finding the, you know, the Bent Uro or Digisky uh, combo. Sorry, combo. Digisky uh, Echo Beyonds or... Uh, or the, or the black right the reanimator on top of the meta game. It's it's always gonna be creatures. So if you have like your your fatal push, you're probably gonna be finding target against everyone. That's because like the combo decks that exist in the format are often creature based as well, right? So you have Hammer Time, which could be described as like a combo aggro deck. Then you have like the Helio deck, which are creature based combo. You have like Yorgmoth combo. Like it's the format's really evolved into this really cool way that like people aren't punished by the combo decks that are having removal in their deck as well. And everything lines up in this kind of trading resources, almost like Legacy 5 or so years ago, where you're, like, you're trading creatures for removal spells, finding angles for tempo, getting your plus one card advantage and stuff. And it, that's what it's felt like to me for a while. Yeah, so basically in Legacy, if you open a hand with, uh, I don't know, two source to plowshares, it, it, it might be dead. Like, if you get paired in the... In the, in the in the wrong matchup, there might be dead cards. Whereas in in again, as I said, in modern, that's not the case. And that's honestly one of the things that I liked um, uh, of modern. Like I love modern right now. It's my favorite format right now. But it used not to be my favorite format. Like I didn't like modern back when I guess before Modern Horizons two, when it was uh, as we said before, like uh, either it was like lots of combo decks. It was you know, not that many interaction. Whereas now with uh, Modern Horizons 2, we just skyrocket the amount of interaction and it feels like, you know, you're you're actually playing always very good games where, sure, I mean, Hammer Time, as you mentioned, could still like roll you over on the play, you know, as per Sentinel and, and so on and so forth. But there are a lot of games, there are a lot of more games to be played than, uh, than in other formats, I feel. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I think a couple of years ago, you you could actually read on Twitter sometimes that you were not excited to play modern like in, in any like premier level tournament events. I, I could be wrong, but I think you you also had a specific hatred for Tron. Or did you play Tron? I don't remember. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, so I want to say that I also changed uh, like a lot recently, uh, where whether it is more 
as you said, right, the the positivity and, and everything like that. Whereas before, maybe I was very much into, you know, I, I hate this thing and, and the world needs to do it. I hate this thing. <laughs> but, okay, that's pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, for example, for example, as you mentioned, I didn't like the fact that they were always uh, basically putting modern into PTs um, with like, you know, a banning very few weeks before, and that was really hard for the pros because modern is such a such a vast format that is basically impossible to test for, unless like they just you know print Ogak and then and then it's easy because you you, <laughs> you 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 play that deck. But uh, <laughs> other than that, um, I, I didn't. The main reason why I didn't love modern is is basically the things that I love modern, like the opposite of the things that I love modern for right now. Before it was a lot less interaction, a lot more like combo decks and a lot more of like gambling on matchups and you didn't really have control over things like again to return then people and back in the days when like uh i was playing tons and tons of legacy that's because i felt like in legacy you always had control over your you know over, over your fate whereas in modern was very much you thought you just sit down and if they have like the god end there's nothing you can do that, that's been my, that's been my experience too there was i think it was yeah as you said before Modern Horizons felt okay, there was like there was some like fair mid range decks, and there was like the um, the Helio Ballista kind of deck was very popular for quite a while as well. But yeah, the, it never felt like it had much of identity other than like you're playing your deck and you hope it like lines up well. I always just stuck with Dredge personally because it was like yeah, I'm doing my thing. If they have the right things, they have the right things. If they don't, they probably die. And if they're playing a combo deck, you just get rolled over as well. Um, but yeah, it kind of shifted through, like, it sounds healthy when you put it like this, like it, it had two or three decks that were the best at a time and they shifted fairly often. But there was never a time where you're like, oh, this has gotten better because it's found, like, you know, like, found the right interaction for the other decks. It was always like, this is the top deck now because it's just got new cards and it's better and stronger and a goldfish is faster. Whereas now, um, I don't know if you agree with this, Andrea, but I think Companions, while personally I'm not like a massive fan of the mechanic, I think the the fact that Lurus and Yorian exist gives like a reason for like a payoff for control or mid range decks to keep playing these longer games. Before, like it was quite easy to outgrind some of the control decks, especially like the blue white based things. But now you have these Omnath decks that are playing Yorian as well, and like they have this end game to play to. They don't need to like hope that they have their they're like five mana fairies in the top 15, 20 cards and it lines up right. You know, they have their game plan well, just interact, interact, control the game and then go on from there. And Lurus is obviously like another grinding tool and stuff. Whereas before, yeah, you just, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like you had a payoff for playing to the late game in modern, but now you have the tools to interact early and you have the payoff to play towards. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the modern... The, um... The modern uh, card designing is to always have things to do in the game, like to not run out of cards. Like back in the days, Jund used to be top modern deck and you just used to go in top deck mode. So you used to like take out uh, Discord spell. These days, it's so hard to run out of cards, whether it is, uh, you know, expressive iteration or uh, companions or the saga. It's just, there's so much like in the build uh, uh, card advantage in the new cards that, you know, Distress Spell, for example, are always live, you know, even on turn 10 these days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's cool that Grex's Death Shadow, for example, can outgrind uh, a, a control deck because, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of, it kind of feel like... So, 
you know, Control maybe it's not having the best time. You know, Uvu Control, it's still playable, but it had it had better times in Modern for sure. Yeah, uh, you, you do have the, the full-color kind of Omnath deck and stuff, though. Like, it plays kind of like tap out mid range, I guess, but I think it does fill yeah. this control role. Yeah, that's you could say it's a control. I would say it's more like it's a it's more like a mid range. Like if you don't that's play, fair. you know, Supreme Verdict or Counterspell, you yeah, can play Counterspell. Yeah, if, but you feel, yeah, it's mostly like uh, just really just a mashup of your cards. When you see decks that start with four Brennan, six four Teferi Time Reveler, <laughs> yeah, you you know that just you're gonna play four colors, all the best cards, and, <laughs> and you know, cool. So. Since you guys already talked about, right, what, what, what is play, like, what is a control deck, what, what, what can we do? Um, something I would like to do is, is to, for everybody looking at the format from the outside right now, to, to explore what I sometimes like to call the borders, the boundaries of the format, like, what can you get away with? And to just, like, provide an idea. In Legacy, for example, it's, if you pay four mana for a spell, right, it better be something really, really good. <laughs> and for the longest of times, it kind of was like, if you pay four mana for a spell, and then you untap, and for example, it was still in play, like like to ferry, uh, like, like chase. Uh, th- then you were very much in a winning position, and these things kind of change over time. But it's nothing is really a hard rule, but for legacy, that used to be very much a thing for a long time, and, and part of that is because you are constricted by the speed and the denial of the of the aggressive decks in the format of the aggro temp, tempo aggro decks in the format. And what I would like to understand from from Andrea, and I guess Callum, you as well, right? You also you played a lot more modern United recently. What are what are the defining aggressive tempo whatever decks in the format right now that are really saying, hey, you can't pay I don't know seven, eight, nine, ten mana for whatever you're doing because that's just like too slow. What what are the defining aggressive decks in the format? I would say that it's it's Ragavan. Um, your deck needs to have a way to deal with Ragavan as early as turn one so you can't just build your control deck with uh, so for example we see now the omnath deck you mentioned it before playing four lightning bolt four prismatic ending on top of the you know solitude and, and maybe fury so that a, a, a ragavan needs to be answered and the same thing happens with uh, hammer time it's another deck that can like really just Obviously, you have the God Hands where you, you win on turn two, but it's not only that. It's just Esper Sentinel. It's a card that I don't think sees that much play in Legacy, which is kind of kind of crazy because it acts like a one mana Thalia uh, in so often in in uh, in, in modern. And uh, and Esper Sentinel is another card that it's now rising a lot and was only really only played in in Hammer for the longest of the time. But whenever you just face a, 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 a an Esper Sentinel on turn one. It's just, ah, uh, you know, I'm gonna just, I need to spend my turn two killing that. And meanwhile, my opponent's doing other stuff, maybe even playing an Urza Saga. So I have then to answer that and just spiral into these things where you just fall behind and behind. And in the end, just, you don't know, get hammer. And then you put time. a hammer on it and they can't pay 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you see now maybe um, a lot of good threats, of course, like we maybe Urza Saga isn't as dominating in Legacy as it is in Modern because of the existence of Wasteland, but Urza Saga is obviously one of the best cards in the format. I recently wrote a, a very long and uh, and detailed article for Channel Fireball about the card Urza Saga and how like it's it's like very good and the beautiness of Urza Saga that is that it goes in so many like 
totally different decks. Like it goes in Amulet of Titan because it's a toolbox for Amulet. It goes in, uh, of course, Hammer Time because it's an artifact deck and because it tutors up the thing. And it goes in, in Jund, in Jund Sagavan because it somehow see, uh, uh, combos well with Vren and Six. So, um, I would say that, um, you know, this, this Modern Arises 2 is definitely like shipping up the format. So if you knew Modern before Modern Arises 2, you probably have to like reread the, the top, uh, you know, the top decks at the moment. Huh. Um, it's, yeah. it's also constantly changing, right? Like, Julian, I don't know if you looked it up, but could you guess the two winning decks of last weekend's challenge? Uh, I I have absolutely no idea. I looked at the meta game and all the dominating decks, but I didn't check those. Like, I, I, my guess would be like Hammer Time because that that's the best deck, I guess. Like but I have Blue White no Affinity and Glimpse of Tomorrow's the Warp Time. Yeah, Glimpse of Tomorrow fuck? combo. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> oh, I, I saw that. I, I saw it listed. I saw that listed as Glimpse combo. I assumed it was going to be like Glimpse of Nature. No, no that no, that card's no. banned. It's the better Glimpse. Oh yeah, actually, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also have the Glimpse of the Unthinkable. Also yeah. top four, but targeting yourself because it's a it's a dra- it's a Benjamin deck. Crab yeah, line. yeah. Like the format, it just has so many decks. It's crazy. There's and the cool thing is, like, there's obviously a tier one. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything tier zero or anything, which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. But tier one, you could probably list off like five to ten decks. Yeah, and then underneath that, the tier two is at the absolute heels of tier one. There is things like. Like no offense to any of these players, but I would say like you know the Vengevine deck is pretty solidly in tier two. I'm looking yeah, at like for sure. there's like Mill, there's Charbelcher, there's I think Affinity probably is safely in tier two as well. There's Underworld Breach decks, there's Bring to Light decks. Like these are all things that you would see winning a premier event. Like oh that's cool, but like not surprising. There's just so many decks and so many yeah. ways to play the format. On- on stream, on stream, I try to, uh, I try to play usually two leagues of modder per day, and I try to also always play like, um, fringe decks. Mm-hmm. Decks that, uh, you know, for example, today I played, uh, white, red, death and taxes and the blue, black control with, with Lurus Companion. So like definitely not two tier one decks, but you can get away, you know, because if you get like the good draws or your opponent, you know, or the good matchups and stuff like that, you can get away. And that's one thing that I love about modern is that you have like really just 50 decks, like I'm not even joking, like you have yeah. 50 decks available <laughs> and these decks like can win a challenge as they proved last weekend where blue white affinity, which, you know, wasn't a deck before, like you know, Nasif streamed a bunch of it and, and, and a Spanish player piloted to to win the thing and a glimpse of combo which is there's only like really just one player that does well with it and he won the event oh, that's amazing that's absolutely amazing so we, we before we explore like I, I guess we're not gonna get to explore all of those decks um but we we're gonna look into well i i took in an article from reed reed duke on channel fireball about the the power ranking and i think he listed it what he considers the top 15 most powerful decks in the format and we're gonna we're gonna touch on them in a minute um b- before we move uh, on from that i i would also like to know um is, are the combo decks that we are seeing without going too much into specific combo decks are, are they are they very well spread out or is it mostly like spell-based combo decks permanent-based combo decks or or is it like mostly graveyard stuff or how does it work in modern like what what do you need to pay attention to so you have uh, uh, Goblin Charbelcher. Goblin Charbelcher is a thing, and the same is Balustrade Spy and the Underworld. Uh, uh, I don't know the friend of Balustrade Spy. I can't remember the name. Underworld Informer. Under City Informer. Under City Informer. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you do have those type of decks. So there's are like spell based 
um, combo. You can interact, uh, of course, with those spells that you're going to interact with Graveyard Hate, whereas Belcher you're going to interact with uh, mostly just counter magic. You can, of course, shatter the Belcher because you don't have the, the fast mana. Remember, you don't have any free mana in this format, so you don't have Chrome Mox, Simeon Spirit Guide. You do have the, the two mana ritual and the four mana ritual, but you know, it's, um, in Belcher, actually, there's a super cool card, which is Recross the Path. I don't know if you're familiar with that card. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think people used to play that so they can stack their library or something. Is it from Lauren? Exactly. It's from Morning kind of thing. And oh, uh, yeah. since since they made the the, the, the the flip lands, you can basically stack your deck. So it's a, like it's a huge doomsday, basically. But <laughs> so there, there's like there's a green doomsday in modern. And by the way, for those who don't know the card because it's it's quite rare, um, can you quickly explain what it does? Yeah, so it's a three mana sorcery, two and a green, and uh, you uh, basically just reveal your deck to your opponent. You show that you have no uh, no lands. Nobody knows what the card actually does. It's like search library for a land or something, and maybe put it. No, play? I think it's okay. uh, anyway. <laughs> you just sh- like yeah. what what happens on magical land is the following: you reveal your deck to your opponent. Now, your opponent, or I guess Magical Line, proves that you don't have lands in your deck, and you just start stacking your deck, like the full, uh, you know, 50 <laughs> cards. And then, at the end of the day, the card returns to hand, because you just clash, so you reveal the top card of your deck, which is going to be a 7-drop, and the cross the path is going to go back to your hand after, <laughs> after it resolved. So you have this free Doomsday that costs 3 mana, you can play on turn 2 with Mana Morphosa and a Ritual, and uh, you stack your deck, you pass the turn. And now, um, if your opponent doesn't do anything, you draw the, 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 the five mana wheel of fortune that has miracle too. Reforge the soul. Reforge the soul. And then from there, you just go on and you just kill your opponent. <laughs> so this is a thing that happens and it's super cool. And there's like a discord of Belcher where they like have all the piles for, I mean, in the same way that you have for doomsday, I'm sure. There's, there's some super cool ones I've seen. Like I'm not up to date with it. So these are probably like, you know, like last month's piles and everyone will laugh at me but like sometimes there was one with uh, uh pyromancer ascension where you'd like you know play some some of the manamorphoses and then noxious revival to bring things back and then you would yeah i can't remember actually even the wink on but like the, yeah the wink on is the the the, the one damage land like the, the on on the side is a tap land on the other side deals one damage so you oh, just record yeah. that when chef's skull yeah no it's a uh, spikefield oh. cave i think spikefield hazard ah uh, yeah, yeah yeah cool yeah. yes yeah yes of course yeah and um very often like against the blue decks they play pact of negation so you can like reforge the soul and just draw mana and belcher impacts as well and stuff i guess but um and and there's like some funny ways to interact with the combo one is uh (laughs) one that i love is uh, deflecting palm yes i was about to say this as soon as you'd finish i was like yeah gotta be it's so funny that's 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 the one where you get to shoot back that or something right yeah Yeah, like like burn plays it and and you can play it as a cyber against armor time as well because you can like you know deal them 10 or whatever. <laughs> yeah that, that certainly sounds like an amazing format guy i have no idea how everybody gets to do all these like legacy we would call out of that stuff like cute like it's fun but it's yeah. not really competitive but apparently it isn't it really happens <laughs> no but like it's so many combos like i would say that in general combos though other than belcher touch the graveyard so you have uh, you have dredge which is which is definitely a deck you have living again living again is super powerful you have like so hypergenesis is banned but you have access to living end crashing footfalls and the glimpse of tomorrow i guess you also have restore balance 
and the other one for the enchantments. And the way you cascade these cards are with uh, Violent Outburst and Charless Agent, which was recently put into Modern this summer. So the cascade decks got way, way stronger since Charless Agent is around, because now you have, uh, you don't need to touch many colors, you just need to be teamer to have the, the Violent Outburst and the Charless Agent. And we saw some, like, I think, really cool uh, like fight back against this. So when Modern Horizons 2 came out, we got the Charlotte's Agent, as you said, and then obviously Dragon Rage Channel and Ragavan made the blue-red Merktide deck incredibly popular, and it was doing well. And then uh, a bunch of blue-white players were just like, hey, we're going to play main deck Charles of the Voids. And now Legacy players have a bit of a, like an allergic reaction to Charles of the Void. It's usually coming down turn one and turning half their deck off. But here in Modern, it was like, against the blue-red decks, you put it on one, it's very good there. But um, against the Living Index, you just play it on zero, and it's just like such a good interaction piece. And for me, that was like, it may seem obvious in hindsight now, but when I first saw that, I was like, God, that's really smart. It's a really good way to attack the metagame. So you do have a lot of cards that are just played in every format, but they they just function very differently in modern compared to Legacy a lot of the time. Yeah, for example, my decks, so often I have two Chalice of the Void in my sideboard, but I play like 21 drop. So I only have Chalice of the Void as a free answer to the Cascade decks. <laughs> yeah, it's just really cool. It's, so, so Chalice it's is actually the good guy in, in Modern? Yeah, 100% Chalice is the <laughs> yeah. good guy. I would you, say that's, that's the reason why Chalice is so expensive now, is that yeah. it's played in Modern so much. Uh, okay, and then it, it's also incredibly good against Hammer Time. Um, you can lock them out pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, I, I can confirm. Like Hammer Time was the one <laughs> deck I played in preparation for this podcast, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, you also yeah. have Plaster Storm, which is somehow in modern as a like a buy a box stopper on our other one. <laughs> and uh, so you, you do have you do have you know lots. We have Force of Negation, of course, and uh, you have um, Grief, but you the the combo decks are there the combo decks are certainly there but i wouldn't say they are on top of the format i would say that the and it's also i guess one of the other reasons why i love this format so much is that the uh the more like creature base and interaction with like counter spell or discard spell are there of course armor time as you said can be qualified as a combo but at the end of the day like a decks with you know creature removal spell and engineered explosive is good against you know can't be that much of a combo deck yeah, true, true. Good and point. like, it depends, would you class Yorgmoth as a combo deck? Probably not. Or it's yeah, close? in the same way, like, yeah. at the end of the day, usually I have this idea in my mind of, it's a legacy idea, of course, that against combo, removal spellers are bad. Like against Anazem Tandros or Sneak and Show, Reanimator, Dizzer Use. You used to like, do not, do not want to draw like the, the Fatal Push and, you know, and the, and the Source to Plowshares. But in this format, the removal spell are still excellent. Mm-hmm. See, Callum, I've been telling you for a while that Le- Elves is not a combo deck in Legacy. <laughs> no, I agreed. I think I was saying a, well, a combo mid-range deck. True, true. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And uh, what is there for people who like control? Because uh, like what you've told us right now, it's like very creature-centric. And usually when, when when there's like a lot of creature interaction stuff going on, there's always people who are going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to like evade all of that i'm not going to play any creatures and that that way i'm going to blank all their creature removal and stuff are, are there like more tap out control decks or is there even draw go like you know everybody wants to play draw go because it's so elegant and stuff um but is that a thing in, in modern or is it more like you know like like four color good stuff like we have in legacy uh, right now which people discuss whether it's a mid-range or a control deck uh, what's going on in, in modern is that good say- control options yeah, I would say there's definitely blue-white control. Like, it's a certainly a valid, a valid option. It top eight 
very often on the on the challenges. You you definitely see blue white control um, very much thanks to mostly a Teferi Time Reveler being a, like an excellent card, but also just like you know the the, the prismatic ending counter spell solitude uh, supreme verdict. Uh, it's it's a deck that can really benefit from Chalice of the Void, as you mentioned. It doesn't play any one drop, so it's playing Chalice either on zero or on one in the right matchup. So it's really good. Oh, that's actually amazing because it's so different from Legacy, right? It's, and, it's, and... Yeah, the, the decks like Blue White Control and Legacy and Modern like play similarly. You counter and remove threats and stuff, but like yeah, you would never dream of playing Chalice in like your Legacy <laughs> Blue White deck. It's it's so different. Yeah. yeah, because you have Solitude and Prismatic Ending. Those are your two removal spells. Like, you don't play Path to Exile anymore. Mm-hmm. So, it's... Do, do you still play, like, Supreme Verdict? Yeah, 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 for ah, okay, sure. Cool. Yeah, it's it's still very important because the, the, the Blue-Red Murktide and Grixis Shadow plan is often to just, you know, deploy a threat or multiple threat and back it up by uh, Drown in the Lock or Counterspell or Spell Pierce. So the uncountrability is still, like, huge in the... Yeah. Blue white. They also often combine it with like dress down to deal with sticky threats or anything. To dress down, don't yeah. get me started on, on fucking dress down. Seriously, it's, like it's, when I when I played everywhere. Hammer, yeah, I so played good. I played my first league with Hammer, and I played against the blue white control deck, and I was like, I have Urza Saga. Like, how can I ever lose against him? Like, I didn't <laughs> even try to combo or anything. I just like Urza Saga. You cannot beat me. You cannot beat me. And then they have like dress down, dress down. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait the- until you play against like the Greek decks that lures it back every turn. Oh god! <laughs> the best, the best thing that the the Luris deck can do is to uh, dress down at the end of their own turn, so mm-hmm. that it lasts for your whole turn. And then they, they do it every turn. <laughs> they do that every turn yeah. if you don't kill the Luris. Oh, that's so smart! Yeah. Oh, that's really. Oh, do they love that? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to say is that uh, the as you said, the Urza Saga. When Urza Saga came out, people were like crazy. Like this card is is unbeatable. Like how can it be possible? But the thing is that, for example, Blue White Control, as you said, not only has Dress Down, but it's also playing four copies of Spreading Seas in the main. Yeah, that's happened to me too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Stone Rains the Saga, sorry, Sinkholes the Saga draw a card, but it's also like excellent to uh, disrupt the Grixis deck that relies a lot on casting Crooks against you. So when you like Spreading Seas of Blood Crypt, that's like, you know, that takes a turn and you draw a card. Uh-huh. Um also Mammer Time, of course, you can you can you can spreading seize the Inkmoth Nexus so you don't have the, the combo out of nowhere. And uh and yeah, I mean it's really really good card spreading seas, which you know used not to be the case before the saga. Yeah, it's it's another like proof of concept of how the modern control decks you I think more than ever it's good based on deck building, not like the cards raw power. Like it's playing good cards like Teferi and it has counterspell now. Solitude is obviously great and um and counterspell, as I said. but um, like it, it's these meta game calls, right? So the spreading season and Chalice of the Void just lines up against what the rest of the format is doing very well. So if if the format was just like, I think Jund Saga is probably quite good against Blue White Control unless it goes bigger. So if it was all going back to like Bloodbraid Elves and Liliana the Veils and stuff, it might struggle to keep up. But it's found the right tools for this format at this moment of time, and then it'll carry on doing that. And then you know, as things change, it'll try and find more tools. But it's spreading seas like hasn't been good for so many years. I think I don't yeah. even remember when I like played it before Saga coming out. Control Control number one nightmare must be the uh, Renin Six uh, out of the Gem Saga because yeah. Renin Six just keeps the, the 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 land the land really flowing. It threatens the emblem while like you know creating card advantage as well as revise the saga, mm-hmm. revise maybe like if you have a a cycle land. So 
that's definitely a card. I mean, it dies to a prismatic ending, but but that's about it. Like the it's prismatic true. ending has to carry so much in the in yeah. the control deck because they're like threatening with Ragavan and Dragonrage Challenger and Elvish Reclaimer now, and yeah, so many must answer threats. Yeah, scary. And deck. Uh, yeah, the Omnath the Omnath deck is the other way you can go co- uh, control. It's not quite a control because you're playing with Yorian, and it's mostly called like a blink deck. So another reason why spreading seas is so big these days is that you had. You finally just like blink with with your and it's one more card to draw, and uh, you play the the poor man's Arkham's Astrolabe, which is the abundant growth. <laughs> that, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. That that also helps you against Blood Moon, which is which is a card like Blood Moon is is a card that uh, Blue Red Merc type plays that Rhinos plays that. Uh, you know, you see, you see sometimes Char Belcher plays it in the main deck as well, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the 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 four color deck obviously acts as like burden of uh, taking too much damage from your own land, so it's bad against burn. And um, yeah, another funny thing is that burn is a good deck in modern, and <laughs> and like that has that was the case forever. Like modern started and burn was a thing, and burn is still a thing, and and so good, I think. Yeah, it's still there. Like I've seen it struggle with kind of hammer time and stuff. Like as the format gets faster, it does struggle a bit. But then, yeah, again, they kind of they pick up the def- um, deflecting palm and stuff and have some pretty plain play there. Yeah, similarly to armor time, like you can always say that you have a good match. But when you stare a island of the Great Revel on the on on the draw on turn two, and you know that you know you have to like answer that, take two damage, and That's you're true. gonna be behind, and and you're already like you in in modern you have shock and fetches. I think that's why uh, burn thrives so much is that everyone has to like shock and fetch, shock and fetch. True, true. And there is one really good piece of advice for playing against burn. If you're especially on the draw, just never ever ever think i hope they don't have idolon because every time you think that they will 100 have it it's just how Eidolon, it goes yeah 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 i guess you do have force of vigor now which is helping that's true it's a true, little yeah. bit yeah the, the 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 force is force of vigor force of uh force of vigor force of negation solitude fury really just gave a lot of uh speed to the format because of course we're talking about before like having free cards is uh it really just helps uh, mm-hmm. uh, the interaction. And uh, yeah, Fury is another one that we haven't mentioned yet, but it's such a good card. God, it's so good. I've yeah, started special- playing a few in Painter and Legacy, and every time I like hardcast, I'm like, God, this is just insane. You just kill so many things. Yeah, I guess yeah. Summertime as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's funny you guys are saying that because my impression of Modern had previously been that people, like, they cheat a lot on mana uh, with all the fast mana that we used to have to, to do something broken. Whereas now it's the other way around. People like quote unquote cheat on mana, like cast something for free to to have the answer. Now all the answers are available for free. Whereas it's, previously the threats or the the utility for threats was free. It's the answer, right? Like if if someone's trying to kill you turn two or turn three with hammer time, then like yeah, you could have a removal spell here and there, but they're pretty good at playing around them. But now they've got to deal with like solitude which they could be tapped out on turn two to play their spreading seas and then like do you go for the hammer and just get blown out by that or like if you go wide fury can mop you up you know they could always have a force of vigor as well force of vigor. i think that the free answers actually they were when they were spoiled i think a lot of people including myself were like oh my god this seems 
a bit scary. This is new waters for modern, but they've actually been pretty healthy overall. Yeah, I think uh, you can push the answers. I think pushing the answers makes the format better. Mm -hmm. Of course, like there is a limit to that because we're seeing in in Legacy, for example, that the four color deck just has so many, like so many good removal spells, right? Four plows and four prismatic ending. But uh, overall, uh, uh, in 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 modern, I think that Path to Exile just was never a good card, and no. uh, I'm happy to finally see that it's not <laughs> playable idea. anymore. Yeah, I've actually started playing it in Legacy quite a lot because it's very good against Delver now, and it's great there. Oh, but... that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah Delver always plays uh, always plays team dances. Yeah, yeah. For, for example, yesterday I was I was playing Vintage Cube, and uh, in Vintage Cube we have now Splinter Twin, of course. So uh, I was tapped out. My 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 friend, my opponent, just went like, "Oh, I have the combo, I win." And I'm like, "No, go ahead." <laughs> and that's Solitude, and, nice. and he was like, "Oh no, <laughs> you thought they have Force of Will, but that's Solitude." <laughs> I uh, one of my pet decks for modern is Soul Sisters, or like uh, Proclamation Rebirth and stuff. Okay. I uh, just it's just for me the ultimate grind deck. It just doesn't ever lose. It grinds and grinds and grinds. And when Solitude came out, obviously it's great in that deck because you just have all the the squadron hawks you rebuy and stuff like that. And so I played against Tron, and uh, I was like, oh no, sorry, it was like something with Emrakul. But I was Solitude. I Solituded two Emrakuls and then one with like squadron hawk beats and stuff. And it's like, oh, you never used to do this. I had to share that fun story. <laughs> okay, that sounds yeah. like it, it lasted like two years the entire match. Yeah, I think they timed out in game two. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is the one I love. Oh, speaking speaking of Emrakul, yeah. I I recently um, made a legacy video uh, with uh, with Mono Green Post and I've casted Emrakul two times in the same game. I like, think I saw that. Like you, they blocked with yeah. the Strix, right? And yeah, because then... like Delta <laughs> Strix somehow kills Emrakul. Uh... <laughs> and like, and you only lose seven permanents. And then you just draw it again. Yeah, they just drew it again. It's, so it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it in sidebars sometimes. I, I guess that's against Mill. That's... Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Mill is a very good deck in modern. Like it's incredibly mm -hmm. how good it is. And, like I've played three leagues with Mill at this point, and uh, I've done like so so well. And the only losses always came from uh, the opponents having uh, deal Drazi, and just basically <laughs> cheesing you because you can't mill them. <laughs> yeah, th I, th that's what um, I think. Uh, Jeff Lynn does it in Legacy sometimes when he plays Esperwile. He sometimes had a random Emrakul in the sideboard, but I think that was for like show and tell decks to just like put it in randomly. No, and it, was then actually, and it was actually for Hogak. He beat me in like a challenge top it was eight, oh! and I tried to mill him out, and then I couldn't. Wow. And he had a peacekeeper, and he was like, "Ha, I got you, GGs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, you know that. Yeah. You know that happened to me as well in the video where. Uh, round two, I cast Emrakul twice. Round one, I played against Hogak, and I didn't lose <laughs> when they had the combo and ended up winning with uh, a Glacial Chasm lock or somehow I just yeah. decked them, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Christ. Yeah. That's great. Dude, I, I almost want to just like stop the podcast and jump into modern right now. But <laughs> before we do that, I, I, somehow I, just, I always get the vibe. Right? Whenever we talk about decks, I, I just want to pick them up and play yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to finally add on this uh, like little bit about control is. Everything has kind of changed to Grixis Shadow now, but there is like a Grixis Control deck, which I think plays like it has Lurus as a very low curve and stuff, but it plays very like a, a control deck. And even the Death the Death Shadow versions now, like you can have some pretty aggressive draws that feel like aggro basically. But in general, you're like playing a game with Drown in the Lock and discard spells and like incredibly interactive. So I think control players would enjoy those kind of decks as well. 
Yeah, if you if you're looking at, at the results, Grixis Shadow is by far the, the the deck that has been putting up the best results, um, consistently in the top eight and uh, you know winning um, very often. It's really hard to attack because it has like it's. Um, I've mentioned often that in, in this format, um, graveyard eight is is like everyone uses the graveyard. Like if you look at the top decks, uh, even Hammer Time somehow uses the graveyard because it's a Lurus deck. So you either have Lurus, you either have Channeler, you either have you know of course like you made your your graveyard your combo deck. So uh, Radic of Progenitus is really good, or you know just Endurance is really good. But Shadow has the the Death Shadow to like play around the graveyard eight. So oh you're you're, you're, I don't know, you have Rest in Peace, for example. Oh, joke's on you, I just, you know, have a have a Death Shadow and attack you with that one. So that's why the deck is really hard to attack. Plus it plays Expressive Iteration. And if you play Legacy, you know how powerful that card is. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes you get randomly blown out when they have, like, Dress Down while attacking with the Death Shadow. That happened to me. Right. Oh, oh wow, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah another, another cool trick you can do is you can play Dress Down at the end of your opponent's turn and then you play Kroxa in your turn. Oh, which yeah. one is that? Kruxa? Kruxa is basically the Ura, but for Rakdos. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. That, oh, yeah. Is that pl played quite a lot in, in Modern, apparently? Yeah, it's very, yeah, big. It's, it's very much played in, in Shadow. That's And mostly that's it. But yeah, Grixis, Grixis decks basically play that. There's also like a kind of black-red mid-range, which is like a Lurus deck as well, which isn't like a top-tier deck right now, but it's it still puts up some results here and there as well. Yeah, I mean, you have the the Iset Murktai, the Rakdos Lurus, and the Grixis Shadow, which are, like, almost all the same, basically. You, you seriously weren't choking when you said there's, like, 50 viable decks in Modern. No, really. No, every, but... every time, like, we mention a deck, um, one of you is going to be like, actually, there's this version of the deck, and then there's this version of the deck. There is, though. I mean, if you count, like, um, so I've been streaming Modern since Modern Horizons 2 came out, and... I put, you know, all my videos on YouTube of, of, of my YouTube channel. And I always play a different deck. Two die two times, two times per day, you know? <laughs> and there's just so many, like they're endless. Like I must have played like 100 different decks easily. Something to oh, say about, about the format is there is a lot of players as well. So you do see decks constantly get iterated on um, mm. and changing all the time. So as people like, you know, build, Grixis Shadow, for example. So there's a guy called Soulstrong who I think like won two or three events in a row and was just crushing with it. So everyone gravitated to that and now it's been putting up results. And so people are going to be like targeting that. I guess it's just the fair deck in general. But um, there's just so many people playing modern online and like, like working on the decks that you're going to see things constantly change a bit faster than other formats. Yeah, modern is by far the most played format online. Like whenever I, I, I log in on a on a on a, on a le modern league, it takes me like ten or twenty seconds to find mm -hmm. an opponent. Which is, I definitely want to bring up the to the attention maybe uh, to them to make the the different queues. Like there there was a time on Magic Online, if you can remember, where we had competitive queues and intermediate queues. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss those. I, I would like that back. Yeah, and I think that modern can definitely fit the the player base. Like you definitely have enough players mm -hmm. to do that. Because there are there's a ton of like deck building space in modern still. I mean. Affinity is not a new idea for modern, of course, but like the fact that Blue White Affinity, the way it was built, won a challenge last weekend, that just came out of almost nowhere. And um, I think we're, we're like constantly seeing new things like pick up as well. Like even the when Modern Horizons 2 came out, like there was that food deck with Asmo and stuff kind of disappeared, but every now and then you run into it as well. 
there's a lot of people brewing stuff. What's the there's a like a construct that makes a food, a treasure, and a yeah. something else that whenever you like make one of these tokens. So there's some really janky combos you can build in the format still. But yeah, I, I would de- like to see the friendly. I can definitely see why why you've been enjoying this so much, Callum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called the Ac- Academy Manufacture. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, I love that card. It's it's so silly. <laughs> cool. So now that we've got everybody hopefully excited for modern um i this, this is this is um well i guess it's supposed to be flavorful but you guys told me so much about how modern by itself like even without anything else about magic is is great so to me modern is almost like this game in itself like kind of like a video game and then you get to pick a character which is gonna be your deck and then you get to play that and i don't know about you guys but for me whenever i played like a video game where you had like different character classes and stuff and like you you rode home the metro from from town and you you read the manual and you were like oh there's like a warrior druid whatever uh and i read about like all the different characteristics they had i was like oh my god which one am i gonna play and even today when i play like an rpg or something i i love watching videos or listening to podcasts about all the different character classes that you have and i kind of like to imagine that in a way like when at least that's what it feels like to me right when when i had to pick my deck for modern that i played in preparation for the podcast uh i, I felt like oh there's so many different options and yeah i i would like to just like go over well basically the 15 is it 15 yeah the 15 decks that reed mentioned in his power ranking from earlier this month and we just quickly go over what they what's unique about them like what do they do strategically um we already touched on a couple of those um not too deep into into like the intricacies of it but just like what does the deck want to do and then what makes it fun to play like what what kind of thrill do you get out of it is there like a really amazing card that you play that's tons of fun to play um or is it just like overall great gameplay when when you just like you know feel like you're really playing magic or is, is there anything like what gets people super pumped up and excited about the deck and then in the end maybe maybe quickly touch on what the deck struggles against because it's not like every deck is going to be like oh the best deck in the universe um but that's just like an afterthought and i i yeah, we, we we already talked quite a bit about it. Why don't we do that with Grix's Shadow, guys? You, you know more about Mother than me. Do, do, do you want to like introduce us what Grix's Shadow wants to do, like rather quickly, and just give us an idea why why it's so much fun? Should we take it in right. turns and you go first, Andre? Yeah, I go first. All right. So Grix's Shadow is this uh, super cheap deck with one drop, all the way from you know Ragavan, the classic Ragavan Chandler and Death Shadow, so you can like. Really just attack your opponent very quickly on turn one and two with these threats. And you also have uh, excellent uh, uh, interaction in the form of Discord spell like Thoughts' Inquisition. You have Drown in the Lock, which is both like a removal spell and, and a counter magic. And you have this late game somehow, thanks to Kroxa, Expressive Iteration, and of course uh, Lurus plus Mishra's Bubble. So you basically are this like well-oiled machine that controls the game threatens uh, lethal out of nowhere thanks to that shadow and uh, yeah what it struggles against uh, it must be the um, <laughs> it must be like the white removal spell like whether it is you know prismatic ending solitude uh, supreme verdict like not necessarily blue white control but I would say that uh, the omnath deck has an edge over Grixis shadow cool Cool. So this is, like you mentioned, one of the most played decks in the format. And yeah, that, that Shadow is kind of like a, almost like a fan favorite, right? We we even see legacy players playing it every now and then. I think True true Hero is Italian as yeah. well, right? And, yeah, and he no, plays it quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. 
so the this is um overall it's it's potent like it has potentially be pretty aggressive right so if, if that's down your alley that, that that's something you can play but it's somewhat unique in that you can actually also play late game with it i wasn't even aware of it that, that, that it's that good in the late game as well yeah it's super grindy and i want to play it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this this deck is this deck when whenever whenever you play against it you really feel like they also have i haven't i don't think we've mentioned it yet but anoli heat like it's been uh, such a revolution for modern because it's a one mana card the deck can kill like you know, everything, like, for real, like, it kills, you know, Omnath, it kills uh, Teferi Hero of Dominaria, it kills Carnegie Creator, it just, it's, it costs only one mana, it's super easy to enable because you have the Discord spell, so whereas, uh, maybe Izzet Merktide has a harder time hitting Delirium, in this deck you play lots of Sorcery Speed card, as well as, of course, the Instant in your interactions, and the, the creature, the lands, the artifact, the Mishra's Bubble, so Delirium is definitely easy to make in this format. Whenever I play uh, Legacy, I always feel like it's a little bit harder to make Delirium in the Blue Red Delver deck. Yeah. But in here, it's super easy because of the, yeah, because of the many creatures and etc. Cool. So the next deck I want to talk about the next character class. <laughs> oh god, this is <laughs> this is pretty dark here. I know. <laughs> it, it's Hammer Time, and that that's the deck I picked up uh, just because I'm I'm kind of spiky, and I was told like this is really good, so I was like, okay, let, 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 let's pick this up. Uh, Callum, do you want to tell us what Hammer Time is actually? Like, when I first yeah. ho- heard about the deck, I thought it was an absolute joke. Like, half a year year ago or something, somebody told me about Hammer Time. I thought he was, like, like really bullshitting so, me. So the easiest comparison is it kind of plays similarly to Infect. And to add to that, Tom Ross was the first person to be messing around with this card in modern properly. He made, like, a red-white version a year, a couple of years ago. But um, the idea of the deck is fairly simple. You play a lot of cheap creatures that are like themed around artifacts and uh, equipment. And then you have Colossus Hammer, which is a one-mana artifact. Uh, it costs eight to equip. You very rarely do that, hint, hint. And equipped creature gets plus, plus 10, plus 10 and loses flying. And then you use um, Pure Steel Paladin to equip it to creatures. Uh, if you have Metalcraft, it's a 2-2 two, two for 2. Uh, you can equip it for free. And Sagada's Aid is like a one-mana enchantment, which... Whenever an equipment comes into play, you can equip it to a creature you control, and you can play equipment at instant speed. So this is a really key way to play around all the removal spells in the format for the deck. You like attack with your three Ornithopters, two of them get blocked, then you throw it on. Or like you can a- attack with a Ninkmoth Nexus. It has flying, so you fly over their blockers and then like uh, play a, a, a Colossus Hammer instant speed and equip it to it after no blocks. It doesn't play like a ton of disruption in the main deck. It is a pretty linear killer opponent attack but it has grinding potential as well it is also a lyrus deck so you're rebuying your threats from the graveyard you're rebuying your hammers and sagada's aid you have urza's saga which is like a huge card in the deck surprisingly or unsurprisingly even um because your your tokens that you make are massive because you have so many artifacts in the deck and then it fetches up the the hammer as well or a shadow spear if you need the life and stuff and then you have stoneford mystic which fetches the hammer so it's actually a very consistent deck of finding the hammers it's even it used to play the um, the one mana search your library for equipment, but it's even cut that now because it's just got enough ways to find oh, it. Oh, Steel Shaper's Gift or something. Steel Shaper's Gift, that's the one. And then yeah, so it plays like Memnite's Nornothoptus to get like a turn two hammer hit in very often. It does struggle also with like the probably the Omnath deck is fair to say like Fury is very good against the deck, especially um, Solitude, letting them to tap out at instant speed, and then Force of Vigor is obviously insane against this deck because you're playing a lot of very important to your plan artifacts and enchantments so Sagada's Aid and the Hammer 
and then it can also kill the Urza sagas and stuff as well. So it's a lot of the pitch spells are very powerful against it. And um, Chalice of the Void, as you mentioned from the control decks, if they're playing it, it can really shut you out. I think the worst matchup of Hammer Time is Living End. And one of the reasons why oh, yeah. uh, Living End is still like holding up is that Living End is this like, for those of you who don't know, Living End is a sorcery uh, that you cascade into it and he just wraps the board and reanimates the the the, the, the graveyard. So yeah. they have this like instant speed uh, Wrath of God that also like works for their plan. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. You'll often see um, two or three of the mirror in the sideboard. I've forgotten the exact name. But it's like if a spell wasn't cast with mana, it gets countered. So it's good against the pitch cards and the cascade spells. Cool. Cool. Yeah, by the way, when I played this, I remember, I think, Callum, you told me this is capable of a turn two kill. And, like, I played my game, I think I got Zygarda's eight first turn and, like, one of those zero mana creatures. And I kept <laughs> thinking, how does this deck kill on the second turn? And then I draw my card for the second turn and it's the second time and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> it, it all makes sense now. Yep. <laughs> kind of. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever witnessed it, though. It, it does, I've never seen it either. I've never done yeah. it, but Julian's just a natural. Yeah, but yeah, I think most of my leagues were like three twos. I, I might have had a four run, but yeah, it's yeah. mostly three twos. It's it's a deck. <laughs> I didn't like... really know what was going on. Like 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 you said, all of a sudden somebody like force of vigors me, and I was like, oh yeah. my god, where's that coming from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, force of vigor is so brutal because yeah. they also blow up your Urza saga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... with the ability with the ability on the stack sometimes, so you don't even have, you don't even float the mana. So brutal. It's a cool that basically the deck has been around for long enough now that people like absolutely have it on their radar all times and there is some very hard hate against it but it still fights through it like it is a testament to how strong the deck is so yeah it, for me it, it, i always loved infect and i used to play that almost solely uh years ago so this is like a kind of the next level of that cool cool so moving on to the next one on our list and that's well it's called omnath blink here I, i'm not even sure what it's properly called everybody just like calls it omnath and when I looked at this deck, this looked like a commander deck to me. Like, Yorian <laughs> is your commander, and then you play a bunch of different cards. Like, holy shit. Andrea, what, what is this deck actually looking to do? So, people used to call it, like, four-color, but I think it's more elegant to say Omnath, because Omnath is four-color. So, that's the four-color. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. And the Blink, it's because, well, you play the, the, the Blink companion, Yorian, but you also play Ephemerate. And uh, what you do in this deck is that you have Ephemerate and you have also Eternal Witness. So you have the possibility of uh, just creating um, an endless streak of card advantage in which you return a spell every every turn. Because your Eternal Witness, um, sorry, you Ephemerate the Witness, uh, get back a spell, and then in the upkeep, uh, you Ephemerate again Eternal Witness and bring back Ephemerate to continue the chain. Oh, you know what? Re that reminds me of that deck that uh, Shota used to yeah, play like Eternal, many years ago. Yeah, Eternal Common, I think. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And in this deck, you can also play one time warp to go uh, infinite turn with this uh, with the, with this combination. But uh, other than this like cute little thing, it's uh, you use Ephemerate mostly to blink the Solitude. Because you can, you know, cast Solitude, pitching a white card, and uh, blinking it with the ability on the stack, so you, you exile, like, two cards plus one next in the upkeep. So that's definitely, like, this deck can, can be capable of very broken stuff, together with, you know, Omnath Fetchland being, like, you know, nine mana, you can cast your Eorian super easily, and you draw lots of cards because you have Spreading Season, you have uh, Ice Fan Quattle, and uh, all the sort of, like, 
uh, cantrip things. And then you control the game. You control the game with uh, Lightning Bolt, Prismatic Ending, Teferi, Ren and Six. I'm just basically mentioning the best cards in Modern. Yeah, that, that that's what it looks to, like. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens to be in these colors. And uh, I mean, the deck is super good. It's also super slow. So the mirror match of this deck often go to time on Magic Online. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a really good deck. It does well often on the on the on the challenges and. Really well, that that that's also an Eladamri's call. Is that common? Like I see it in the list here. Yeah, it's. I would say it's common. Yeah, Eladamri's call is common because what it does is it gives you consistency in always having Omnath, but it also gives you well whatever you need. Like if you have a metal image in the sideboard, you can pick it up. If you have a collector oof, you can pick it up. If you have a you know wood, whatever you need. And as well as giving you consistency, finding Solitude Fury or Omnath. Oh yeah, so you, you, you can basically for two mana you can also like grab your your pitch creatures. Uh, oh man, and cast it for free. Another Usually I'm thing... not a fan of four color, but like if the mana works on this one, and I guess it does. That that sounds pretty exciting. What one thing we didn't mention is that uh, thanks to the uh, companion, you so often get to make this play in which you return your companion on turn three, whether it is Kahira in Uvu Control or this Omnath deck, or, or sometimes plays Kahira if it doesn't want to play Yorian. So you return Yorian or you return Kahira, and you pitch it immediately to the Solitude. So you oh. basically <laughs> just kind of like cheat. the The Solitude doesn't cost zero or five, but it costs three because that's your companion. Uh, that that's something people did in the Nauseam Tendrils, like in Legacy, for a very short moment, but it never really caught on for oh, for the, Force of Vigor oh, in the sideboard. Oh, for the brainstorm over oh, Force of Vigor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cute, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. A... So, how does this deck lose? Like, what what do you not want to like? I guess burn is a problem. Like, I'm, I'm totally like I have no idea. Yeah, uh, I would say that the best way to approach this deck, in my opinion at least, it's with uh, it's with uh, fast pressure and uh, uh, some major hate, something like Blood Moon. Like, um, I love my plan as the Instant Merktide player um, to have, you know, the classic, like, Ragavan Unchecked. So that's one of the many ways you can, you can, you can get him is with Ragavan Unchecked, of course. And, and, then, and then a fast Blood Moon. So like a turn three Blood Moon, you have Island, Island, Steam Vents. You just slam a Blood Moon, and they might still be, like, shipping up their mana, because, as I said... It's a little bit hard. It's not that easy. You have to like fetch Triome, they like fetch, try not to take that much damage from your land at the same time. And uh, in these like early turns, you might just knock them down with a Blood Moon. But it's it's still like a four color deck with a lot of expensive cards. So there's you know there's games where and you don't have like Ponder and Brainstorm. So there's games where yeah. you lose by yourself. I think this looks exactly like kind of deck that Anorak would play in modern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Pretty much. Cool. So moving on to a deck that a lot of people in Legacy already know. Um, Callum, why don't you tell us about Blue Red? But I, I guess here it's called Blue Red Merktide. Don't really yeah. have to ever. <laughs> I was going to say Andreas played this a lot. I think. Why don't you take? Yeah, it over yeah, as well? yeah. I want. Cool. I want to say that I was the the person that definitely changed the name to Merktide Region because <laughs> people call it Blue Red Ragavan at the beginning, and uh, whereas I mean Ragavan it's played in other decks, and but this is like the only Merktide Region deck, like. Merkta Regent is a powerful card and only sees plays in this deck because, well, the reason is kind of funny, but because of Lurus. So, like, this is the only deck that doesn't play Lurus, so can play Merkta Regent somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and, uh, and and is it Merktide is is definitely is definitely my 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 favorite deck since the since the beginning of Modern Horizons three. I try to make 
Uh, I try to play one league uh, every every week with this deck to kind of see the the, the innovations. Um, the list at this point, I would say it's pretty much stock. It plays like 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 um, it's almost all forums, of, right? Yeah, you have counter spell. Your spell pierce is your counter spell. You have only twelve creature in Ragavan Channel or Merkta Regent, and then you have cantrips. You have Conceder, which is a new addition. Uh, really good to both like fill your graveyard as well as giving you cantrips, much better than Totskauer. And uh, you have for expressive iteration, which is in this deck uh, really just your your late game. Like you have to you have to like you know keep that card so much. And sometimes I don't even I don't often don't cast that when they don't have a land drop. You you just really need to exploit it fully. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really good, and uh, I enjoy playing this deck very much. Oh, that's amazing. Is, um, you, you mentioned Spare Pierce. Like, I'm looking at a list on MTG Goldfish right now that's playing four copies of Archmage's Charm. Is that also something, or is that something they are probably playing here? In right, exactly. Uh, the 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 most the most popular modern streamer, Aspiring Spike, has recently popularized this version with four Archmage Charm and two Fury. Archmage Charm is really a pet card of his. Uh, personally, I prefer a more Blood Moon approach. So if I would play Bertha uh-huh. Regent... A man I of culture. Yeah, I would play two Blood Moon in my in my main deck. So of course you can't play the Archmage Charm if you play Blood Moon. Uh, but um, but honestly, I think that um, both versions are excellent. Archmage Charm is a beautiful, a wonderful card. Like if Armor Time is 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 popular, Archmage Charm like stealing a creature equipped, it's it's really nice. <laughs> Oh, dude, and all of a sudden, you have the creature equipped with a hammer? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> and because of hammer, you just cannot move it, because it costs eight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess if you have Paladin, you can still move it. <laughs> oh, my God, this is great. This yeah, is absolutely if, And yeah, then if you, you untap put, and you kill them. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you put it there with a the cigar to Zayd, uh, it's not... Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, actually, I think that's the kind of deck I should have started playing in modern. This, this is how I was like, I, people know me for, for like Maverick and Fs, but I really, really love this kind of decks. This decks that like punish opponents when they struggle, like when anything goes wrong in their game plan, you come in and you execute your game plan and ah, I love it. <laughs> right, let's make it worse. <laughs> Mr. Landrup, oh dear, buddy. <laughs> yeah, oh dear, Rogamon is going to come for you. <laughs> Excel your land and then you're going to draw a 10 drop. <laughs> cool. Yeah, one, one thing with Ragavan in this format, though, is that you don't have the guarantee, like ponder, preordain, brainstorm that you have in Legacy. So in Legacy, so often, you know, you just hit with Ragavan and most of the time you're going to get a card out of it. But in this format, like for example, if you play against Omanath Blink, you know, you're going to find what, like a removal spell, you know, or a five drop. So it's not like, no, for like, or if you play against, I don't know, Hammer Time, you find what, a Mem Knight? Sure, you can cast that, but it's not going to be as good as always going up on cards. And or you I get think like a Living the, End or something. Yeah, like that's the main thing. Uh, that's the main, the main difference of uh, Ragavan in, in Modern versus Ragavan in Legacy. Cool. Cool. So, is there is there anything you struggle against with the stack? Like, it seems pretty compact and and well rounded. Well, I would say that it's 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 definitely a good deck. It's definitely a good deck. But um, I would say that is it Merktide weakness is probably uh, decks that pack up many removal spell or just interaction. Because at the end of the day, you're only a twelve threats deck. With the with the four Ragavan and four Channeler and four uh, Merc that region that sometimes your opponent can just kill your things and then just they buy time while you're over there just like 
you know, drawing your, your, your permissions on your cantrip. So I think that Omnath Blink once again has an edge over this <laughs> matchup. And, and really just like Omnath Blink just keeps all these fair blue decks in check with the excellent early game, excellent late game, and uh, just, <laughs> just a so very, very, very good deck, Omnath Blink. Cool. Cool. In uh, speaking of a deck that's, well, it's also a weird one to me, like that this is apparently a thing. Um, <laughs> and Callum, apparently it's called Rock Rhino Cascade. And when I opened the list, I was like, dude, people have been trying this on Legacy and it was not good. Is, but yeah. apparently it's a thing in, in modern now. It's, it is very good in modern though, because like it is just a bit of a slower format. Like you're not having to play around the days and stuff and you're not getting wasteland and things. So it's the the deck the aim of the deck is to play cascade spells like we mentioned in the podcast earlier with violent outburst and charlestation and then you don't have anything that costs less than three mana in the deck so you cascade into crashing footfalls every single time um it kind of cheats in this aspect by playing either pitch spells or like split cards so you have fire ice which um with some recent rules updates costs four mana if you cascade into it so you can't and then Dead Gone is also like a deal two damage to a creature or bounce a creature for three mana. So you have interaction there. And then you play Brazen Borrow and Bone Crusher Giant, which are the adventure creatures. So they uh, have interaction on two mana as well. And then you have Furies and Endurance, um, Force of Negation. And then there's a few like three mana cards that are good. They play Prismari Command sometimes and things like that. So it's the kind of deck where like, it used to place a Simian Spirit Guide and it used to sometimes just like make some Rhinos on turn one. It was very, it was a lot stronger then, obviously, because like you were doing things faster. But now you do have a like a pretty consistent plan of eight Cascaders in your three color deck and stuff. And you do play Blood Moon uh, as a reward for like just sticking to three colors and stuff. And the interaction is now just very good with the pitch cards. So it's not quite as powerful. Like your combo is not quite as powerful as Livian, say. But what you get from this deck is you sidestep a lot of the hate. So you're not like weak to the graveyard hate. You're just operating on the stack and then you're making eight power with trample. And then you are often just like casting multiple cascade spells. So you're just putting a lot of power. So it kind of looks like a combo deck, but actually it's really just a mid-range deck making some rhinos. And um, it's like it's like, it's like like a mid-range deck with an under-costed threat, basically, of two rhinos for three mana. Yeah, this deck is like super consistent. Like that's the yeah. strength of it. It goes like interaction, interaction, two, four, fours. Yeah. And uh, sure, there's like engineered explosives or, uh, you know, like ways to, to deal with these cards. But at the end of the day, it's the really the consistency. And this is another Blood Moon deck, mm-hmm. which... It's a pretty uh, good place to be in the format right now, I think. Yeah, definitely keeps in check the, I mean, once again, the, the Omnath Blink, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's good against uh, Grixis Shadow in some spots, and it's good against Hammer Time, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Yeah, I feel like this deck is, it's solid, but not like amazing, but it does have, it does punch up, it has pretty good matchups into a lot of the top decks. Or decent-ish. <laughs> um it's also like had a lot of different kind of decks. Like people have played Omnath in this deck. Like they play white for the um I forgot the name, but it's like a oh, three, three mana enchantment. It's like oh we are only three cards. Like I Ardent, almost threw Ardent up Ardent a little bit when Ardent you said exactly, it gets yeah. it gets a, a reward for only being three colors. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what I know. the fuck, man? <laughs> when I said that I knew you'd be like rolling your eyes, but <laughs> I did. And not only does three colors, but it also has a triumph on color, which is super good. Yeah, the triumphs have been such a big addition to modern as well. Yeah, because yeah, because like some decks don't have it. Like Grixis yeah. 
doesn't have it or yeah. John doesn't have it whereas oh, uh, Timur, it so much. Timur has it yeah, yeah that's a big deal also a card that Rhinos play which is super cool I don't know I don't think it's very much played in Legacy it's Gemstone Cavern which oh, yeah. if you're on the draw you basically get to start on the play because you pitch a card and you and you play land first mm-hmm. oh and so so you you get into your Cascade Spires more quickly yeah, you, you mean you just start interacting on turn two, you have Fire Ice on turn one, and, and Cascade Spell on turn two. Yeah. And that's really, really good. I think this deck plays Ice, Tap Your Land, on like turn two so often as well. And it's just like, because the, the format again doesn't have, like you have the pitch spells, but you don't have actual fast mana. So tapping a land on turn two is a pretty powerful play when you're, like your threats start at three mana and stuff, so... Yeah, it is again just the consistency of this deck. Which is pretty it's powerful. also it also has another thing going for it, which I think it's easy, and I think that mm-hmm. is a very big deal. Like this deck has to only accomplish the goal of making two rhinos, and the, you know, and obviously like if especially if you're looking to come into a format starting with a a rather easier deck, it's 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 a good thing. That's true. This is this deck actually makes me. I don't oh, know. play as well? <laughs> no, no, no. The thing is, like when you just said it, it makes two rhinos. There's only two northern black rhinos left in the world. Mm-hmm. So That's what it makes. That, that reminds me. <laughs> that, that's totally unrelated. But I was just I like th- thinking because yeah. the third one died and now there's only two two left and it makes two rhinos. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, if you play against this deck, you're going to kill so many rhinos. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> the deck is officially banned in Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the engineered explosives in modern have killed a lot of rhinos. <laughs> yeah, but you better not use engineered explosives to kill the rhinos in real life. <laughs> cool, cool, guys. So uh, moving on, the, the, here's another deck we already talked about quite a bit. I think it's Andrea's turn. Um, it's Blue-White Control. And I guess everybody knows what a Blue-White Control deck does. And we already talked quite a lot about it. But uh, is, there, is there anything specifically we haven't mentioned about it yet? Um Actually, I'm wondering, how does it actually win? Does it just, like, cast Solitudes and get there? Or <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, how does the deck win is, is a good question. I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming you play... I think it's Teferi, right, most of the time? Like, you excel, you... you excel their board yeah. after ultimating it, and then they just give yeah. up. Or you can hear Teferi them. here of Dominaria is uh, kind of hard. Oh, there it is. Okay, so because of Anoli Heat, Teferi Hero of Dominaria is a little bit of a downswing. A card that it's really picking up in popularity is Memory Deluge, which, I mean, isn't a wink on, so uh, we're not answering that. But it's basically replacing the Jace Demon Sculpture slot, where you're using an instant speed card. Memory Deluge is two and a blue for a look at the top four card, tick two cards, and then it is flashback. And on the flashback, it's basically dig through time, and it costs seven. So while that might seem like a lot, it really just help you like in the early game. You 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 know I mean Storm Force. So it's not that early, but uh, you basically like use it as your end game, finding the the proper mm-hmm. answers and and stuff like that. And you don't have cards that die to a null heat because as I said earlier, this deck tries to play around people overloading with the removal spell. So if you play against the um, a Merkta region deck with uh, four Lightning Bolt, four Anoli Heat, or the Grixis Shadow with, you know, Fatal Push and so on and so forth. There are going to be just dead cards against this deck because the Fairy Time Reveler can trip itself and Solitude, you know, as an ATB effect. So it's, you know, this deck tries to do that way. And then maybe it just kills you with all of the Storm Giant, Celestial Colonnade, or, you know, Archmage Charm stealing your thing. But just Solitude sometimes just gets a job done, like the number three or four. Oh my god, Hall of Storm Trance. I totally missed that. That's the land that turns into like a 7-7, I believe. 
Yeah, and there's no wasteland, no field of ruin. Like, the land are here to stay. I mean, I guess spreading seas is the only one. It heals so fast, that thing. Like, two hits and you're done, usually, because of all the, like, fetches and shocks yeah. and random stuff, thought seizes. Yeah, and the, one of the things that Lua Control does, which is pretty funny, is that he plays both Emrakul in the side. The 13-13, because it's your way to grind against the Omnath Blink, and the 15-15, because Mill is a very bad matchup. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Every time somebody brings up the, the 13 mana Emrakul, the promised end, um, I, I could have sworn it was Joe Losset, but he told me it wasn't him. Uh, during the heydays of Legacy, uh, Miracles, like with top and everything, uh, there were some Miracles players who actually played this in the sideboard just I did. for the mirror match. You did? Yeah. Maybe it was you. Yeah. It, it wasn't worth it because you just add another Pyroblast instead. Oh, I, I assumed it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it was a meme and I got made fun of it f for it, but it was like, I don't know, whenever I cast it, I won, so whatever. In, in cube, <laughs> you make a, sometimes in cube, you make this funny combo with Caracas oh in which... God. You just do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's like I'm playing both sides now. <laughs> yeah, you, you can even do it finally enough if the opponent has Caracas. <laughs> it works in both ways. <laughs> the thing with this is like this deck is obviously it's blue at control, it's geared to go to a late game, and it does just get to like the eight or nine mana to cast it fairly easily. Like if you're not getting to that kind of mana with these these style decks, then you're probably dead. So yeah, there's there's a card that I'm seeing in the cyber that we haven't mentioned yet, but it's a really big deal in modern, and that's Sanctifier and Vec. Oh yeah, it's, it's oh yeah, I hear so much about it. Yeah, two mana two two protects you from red and black, and it says every card that's red and black that's basically rest in peace for red and black cards. So if you cast like an expressive iteration, it goes straight into the exile zone. And it has protection from red and black, so it's rest in peace. And it's a big deal because the Grixis Shadow deck and the Izzet Merktide deck, I mean, not only can't kill it with their removal spell, but they also care a lot about getting Delirium. So hmm. that's another very powerful weapon that Hammer Time has against the other two tier one of the format. That wasn't my sideboard. Somebody gave me the wrong list. And by, by somebody, I mean, I, I, I downloaded <laughs> the wrong. Actually, I downloaded a list that splashed green for Ancient uh, Stirrings. That was oh. really, really good, the Ancient Stirrings. But yes. okay. apparently it's not a main I think thing. that was a Daniel yeah. Virtual thing. Yeah, it's not very common. But I mean, I mean again, there's no like uh, established, as, as I said earlier, where there isn't Merc that there's not an established way to, to build a, to build these decks. Like, of course, Blue Eye Control, you have Guillaume Wafotapa playing it very often on the challenge, so you assume that his list is the best, but you don't have the, the data of the standard PT with like huge testing team. Yeah, yeah. That's something, by the way, I want to talk about um, towards the end, uh, what a PT would do for modern um, that we can touch on. But um, for now, um, we're moving on to the next deck, and that is a Living End. I think most people have kind of know. Actually, I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to take this one. <laughs> on. uh, you, you know this because if, if you played modern back in 2016, yeah, like this yeah. has been a deck forever. I actually I played this in a GP in 2014, I believe, and my nice. opponent played like a Graft cage, and he was so happy, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah um, I have a super sad story. Sorry, I have to I have to tell it. I have a sure. super sad story about Graft cage. I was in a, I was in a tournament and. Uh, and uh, and a player next to me asked the judge if Grafdigger's Cage worked against the Living End. And the judge oh, said, y yes, it worked. And it was like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I couldn't just, I don't know. So I just yeah. was silent. And then in the game happened that the guy played Cage and the opponent played Living End. And 
and the guy was just so upset at the judge and he was like oh i didn't know and, and yeah i know it's just a super sad story that i wanted to say yeah yeah the, the, the i think i've had the same thing happen when when a judge uh, my opponent asked how morphs work with counterbalance and the judge gave the wrong answer and i knew it was the wrong answer and was like a really weird i have i had the exact same situation and it was really really weird how does it work i don't, I don't even know dude i actually don't remember quick editor's note we're going to skip the part where we completely get it wrong for the next two or three minutes and we're just going to leave it at a morph gets countered with a zero on a counterbalance that's all you need to know and with that back to the episode do you remember the modern days the legacy days when you either played abrupt decay or played counterbalance mm-hmm. yeah, there's no yeah. no other options <laughs> <laughs> yeah Callum remembers those days really fondly from what i remember I love top, but I hate counterbalance. So it's fairly fondly. I'm pretty sure you loved it so much. Like you and Francis, you recently like randomly got together and you played old top miracles against Shardless Bug. Yeah, we, fun. Did, we, we streamed wow. that. I, I played the Shardless Bug side because that's one of my favorite decks of all time. So you know how there's the pre-modern format, right? Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I would love to play like... I old don't know. old Legacy. Yeah, they just decided they maybe maybe before war of the spark there there is there is a format called pre-war pre-war yeah yeah. like i would say that it didn't super pick up and i me and some friends have played like pre-innistrad legacy which is really fun um if you have some friends that are also interested i just yeah i encourage you to just play make some decks and play it you can do it sometimes it's really fun to jam some old stuff those pre-war guys actually they reached out to me and they wanted me to promote the format but i couldn't really do it because i just like didn't have the capacity to do yeah. that but yeah this is there's too many there's too many there's too many fun things to play <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> yeah i followed uh, i followed a bit more when we had the quarantine and i was like playing a lot with a, some friends of mine on discord i followed a lot of pre-modern bought a lot of cards and mm-hmm. i don't know i guess it's just more like the the shopping was was the most fun part probably just buying this i think i bought like Four or five hundred cards for pre-modern during lockdown as well, but I was just like, I just want to own master cores and stuff like that. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, ten euro vindicate. Hell yeah! <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually have like two full pre-modern folders. I played some last week as well in my store. It's so fun. Oh nice. man, yeah. dude, it's gonna be so crazy once like proper paper magic comes back again and people can just like play yeah. for fun and oh, that's great. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So um, we're the, champ- we're the champions great. of getting distracted about old cards. <laughs> I mean, that, that's part of the deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Living end, very easy to describe. You have a bunch of cycling cards. You cycle, 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 cycle. All of those creatures go to the graveyard, and it has the nice side effect of also like drawing you deeper into the deck and eventually finding one of your cascade spares, and that's that cascade thing goes into living end living end most importantly first moves the creatures from the graveyard to exile then basically kills all the creatures in play and then the creatures from exile come into play so you do exchange the creatures between graveyard and battlefield but there's a step in between so and that's why grafting's cage doesn't work against it (laughs) and from what i see here something that i would have loved to have uh, when, when i played living end is grief so grief not only goes to the graveyard as well uh, and comes back afterwards, it also gives you more protection from the li- for the living end, right? You, you can take out any of those counters. But like previously, I tried to be really tricky when I played this deck, and I guess not only me, but everybody who did it. I, I thought it was really smart. Later I learned everybody did it. Like when your opponent, when they cracked your fetch land, their fetch land at your end of turn, right? 
uh, as you often do in modern. I was like, oh, respawns, I'm going to cast my Violent Outburst. And then they were tapped out and they couldn't cast their well, Remand or Counterspell back then. And I thought it was so smart. But I guess now, nowadays you just like cast Grief and take it away anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or or you do that in your opponent's turn, so you have, you have Force of Negation active to fight the Counterspell. Mm-hmm. See, we didn't even have... The, why did I even play the deck back then? We, we didn't have all, all, all of those, like, cool tours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in the days, used to be, like, Jund. Like, you used to play Fulminator Mage, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was the sideboard plan, or, or sometimes even main deck, yeah. You have, like, blue cyclers, and the creatures are just better. Yeah, you have blue. Sometimes you have green, because you play Endurance. Sometimes you have red cyclers, because you play Fury. It, it really just depends on how you want to build it. Sometimes you play main deck Blood Moon. The the the, the trophy the one of the trophy leader in modern actually plays Living Gan and plays main deck Blood Moon, which is uh, pretty crazy because <laughs> you can pitch it to Solitude and sorry to yeah. Fury, to Fury. Yeah, the deck <laughs> is pretty brutal. Like when I played Hammer Time, I struggled. Yeah, I, I think you guys mentioned that right that Hammer Time yeah. is, is struggles against this. I certainly struggled against this because it can also like wrath the board at instant speed, and that that costs so many headaches to me because I never really knew what to do. Uh, what is this like? I could imagine this having problems. I don't know. Against, I want to say well, blue by control, but I'm so out of my comfort zone um, in modern that I don't really know. Well, this deck has, uh, you know, wins the game with the graveyard, and uh, graveyard hate is really just over the top these days. So many decks play main deck. For for example, every deck that plays Urza Saga has a very easy access to Graveyard 8. So, for example, if you're on the play with Armor Time and you go turn 1 Urza Saga, right? That means you're going to have a turn 3 Nihil Spellbomb or Soga Lantern. And uh, and that's already, like, one thing. But also, just, like, so many decks just play Relic of Progenitus these days. For example, Merkta Regent in the Shadow, they play Relic of Progenitus. Or, I don't know, Mon Range Wrong plays 4 Relics main. So, there's just some random, like, because Graveyard is so important in Modern, having a deck that relies on Graveyard is a little bit risky because everyone's going to have Graveyard 8. Like yeah. the Affinity deck, the Blue-White Affinity deck, play two Relic main. Oh. <laughs> so all of a sudden it doesn't really sound all that exciting anymore. I guess one of the upside is also that it's rather straightforward and easy to play. Well, I mean... I say that there's Graveyard Hate, but that's the classic thing. Yes, there's Graveyard Hate in, in, in Legacy 2 when Reanimator still wins, like, you know, uh, the, the most important events and, and whatnot. Yeah. So there's obviously Graveyard Hate, but you also have Force of Vigor, Foundation Breaker, Petty, uh, Petty, uh, Brazen Borer, so you can, you, can, you can do things. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel this weird draw towards the deck just because it has, like, so many chunky creatures and it's kind of cool that they they somehow make it work but yeah <laughs> i mean this deck is so like so such busted draws like you go grief on turn one cyclers turn two like interaction whatever you want maybe force of negation and then on turn three you reanimate four things and and you know and your opponent just just wait like how, how do you do that you know <laughs> so it's really just one of the like until the end the matchup that we analyzed so far this is the most unfair decks by 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 okay. Bar, like. Okay. Yeah, okay. you're very, you're very often like putting a ton of power into play, like as interest interacting. Then you have the um, the ones that look at the top three cards of your opponent's deck as well, and so you're like just not giving them answers. The artifact cycler. Yeah. Which, oh, architect software. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah, it's definitely like you know, Rhino is is much more of like a, just a consistent mid rangey weird deck, but this is this is definitely like a combo style deck. 
Yeah, like like you can make two rhinos. Your opponents play Tarmogoyf, and yeah. <laughs> and your rhinos play yeah, the yeah. factor ruin. You know, like it has happened that you play rhinos. I play like a Merkta Regent five five, and now like you know you can't go through or that shadow. Like there is definitely ways. Whereas when Living Gang goes off, and you know no one is stopping it, it's impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, the the payoff is certainly even bigger there. It's, the cool. creatures are so big. Like you play the the seven seven whale that you know shrinks the opponent uh, creatures, and Break once that's place, in yeah. play, like you can't beat that card in combat. <laughs> cool, cool. So here's another one that I think is kind of like a fan favorite. At least I see it all over Twitter. Um, and that is Chant Sagawan. And I haven't looked at a deck list yet, but I could imagine it's full of value. Got him. Is it true? Is this like the value deck in the format? Next to not, I guess Omnath? Like, yes. Jund like Jund has always operated on, you know, cheap interaction and then you have better top decks. But like it is full of value, definitely, but not as much as the old ones where like you relied on Bloodbraid Elf and Liliana the Veil. So this is very much a Lurus deck now. And um Ragavan was like a huge addition because it's like obviously a cheap threat and it's very good with backed up by removal and you play all the discard spells so you have like four Inquisition is pretty stuck and then two or three thought seers and then you have like yeah tons of removal spells you have lightning bolts fatal pushes uh Colgan's commands commands are especially good these days because um hammer time is obviously full of artifacts and stuff but then the biggest engine for the deck is uh uh, Renna 6 and Urza Saga, obviously. So Urza Saga is a card that Jun just loves as a general thing. Like, you know, it, it makes mana to cast your Tarmogoyf in turn two, and then it just like pumps out some things. And usually they play like a Solgay Lantern, a Shadow Spear. A Shadow Spear is especially good with the tokens and Tarmogoyfs, and then a Pirate Spellbomb. And then, yeah, you you pop it off, and then you just go and Renna 6 it back, and then do it again. And a pretty new innovation for the deck is they play Four Elvish Reclaimer, just because they realize like Urza Saga is just the best engine for this deck <laughs> so it's, it's very focused on urza saga and um yeah it it is it plays very like classic jund really like you just interact and then you bury your opponent slowly with eking out value with each little bit and piece it's not so is, is this the kind of deck that you recommend for somebody who just wants to quote-unquote play magic yeah definitely like you're not doing anything unfair you do just have game against everything i guess you need to build your sideboard right but it's it's very very classic jund <laughs> um, oh, but we don't do i was gonna say we don't do that main manland thing anymore but i mean yeah okay we have four it's like a double manland yeah yeah <laughs> best creature land ever yeah, yeah. and like, and also urza saga is great in this deck because if you pick up the some, some important tool like uh the pirate spell bomb which is really important against hammer time is if pirate spell bomb is around hammer time is definitely a harder time to you know, just yeah. uh, operate, or you get Nihil Spell Bomb against the Lurus decks, or the Living yeah. End, as I said, or you play Shadow Spear, which is uh, super important to win races on your Tarmogoyf and so on and so forth. And you, you even have like the Chalice of the Whiteness side part, and that's so cute, right? You you get it to put it like straight into play, and it's a zero, and apparently that that's what work. you want to be doing in modern. No, you can't do oh, that. Oh no, you can't. You can't because yeah. it's XX. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it worked because like I saw it as a one-off in the sideboard, so I was like, oh, obviously it's for a saga. But, yeah, oh no, you of got course tricked. you can't do that. You got bamboozled. Yeah, it's just like the yeah. random one-off then. The the, the spellbomb is also a really, really, really key answer to that stupid sanctifier in Vec. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pirate spellbomb. Sanctifier in Vec has some ways you can get around it. It's with engineered explosives, pirate spellbomb, mm. or uh, a dress down. Dress down is just your catch-all answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not a really good card in modern. <laughs> yeah, and, and Dress Down is so good against this deck, so good against the Jan deck, because yeah. it not only kills the token, it makes Tarmogriff a 0-1, so it just dies in, in combat. But yeah, Jund, like, I don't know if it, I think it does, like, you know, go tit for tat against the Omneth deck fairly well, because um, the Omneth deck doesn't really play Dress Down because their creatures have abilities as well. So yeah, this is just a super, super grindy, but low curve deck. And even after all these years, like Thoughtseizer Inquisition's turn two Tarmogoyf can just hit people's face really hard. And I love that that's still a thing in modern. Yeah. Cool, cool. Next deck coming up, uh, the deck that somehow just can't die in modern, <laughs> apparently. That's Amulet Titan. I feel like the deck at times used to be like tier one um, and like rather oppressive. And then everybody was talking about bans and the bans happened. But it's still here. Like we, we can still play that. Uh, Andrea, With new toys oh, as well. How does how does this deck survive? How does it stay afloat? I guess it's right. it's because Amulet yeah. is still legal. <laughs> Amulet Titan is so scary. It doesn't have uh, it, it. It didn't get that many new cars. Like it maybe has the new Cultivator Colossus recently, but didn't get that much except like I was thinking Saga as well. But I guess it's not. Yeah, super exactly. New. Yeah, Urza Saga is for sure the the most important new tool because what happens is now that you have number five through eight of Amulet because. This is a deck that goes turn one Saga, past the turn. Like, there's some decks that go Saga usually on turn two to make a construct, or sometimes you can go turn one if you have a, a Mem Knight and a, and a Springlip Drum to activate it. But this re- this deck really just wants to put that amulet in play. And once it's done that, you play the Simigro Chamber, Gruul Turf, uh, Sanctuary, Selesnia, and you just get a lot of mana thanks to the amulet because your land coming to play on tap, you can float mana and bring it back. And because of Azusa and the Dreadlies and Grove, you can just get extra land drop. Your goal is to put Primeval Titan in play, whether with uh, you have Titan from your hand or you have uh, the uh, Summoner's Pact, and then you get the land that gives the haste as Slayer Stronghold attack. Just If you have Dryad out, you just get Valakut and kill your opponent that way. And you can kill like as early as turn two with this deck. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh, a deck list here on Goldfish, and I, I'm trying to find the land that gives haste. Apparently, this player is not playing it. It's but... playing Hamvir Battlement, maybe. Oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you you either see the Battlements, or but you usually see Slayer Stronghold, but it's some lists play Hamvir Battlement. Usually, it's Canister, who's one of the pioneer of uh, Hamvir Battlement, and uh, some most people play with the Slayer Stronghold. Apparently this one also has like three copies of Valakut, I guess that goes well with the Dryad of Elysian Groove. Yeah, because sometimes you just naturally have Dryad and naturally just play Valakut. And that's your uh, yeah. your you know, B plan. Before but, Dryad, you would you'd you'd usually be have to be like comboing with Titan. So like a the usual kind of play pattern would be play a Titan, tr- try and give it haste that turn, and then you would very rarely be able to kill the same turn because they'd have some blockers or something. So you'd have to like you have to math out the whole turn, but very often you would end up with like two Titans in play. You would have attacked for eight, and then you would have a um, Pact of Negation in hand, which you like tutored for with Solaria West. But now you just have so many ways to kill with Valakut and Dryad. You very yeah. often just, just kill them. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the deck doesn't completely roll over and die when you when you kill the Amulet because you also have like the option to to do the Valakut and the Orchard Saga thing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, you have you have Urza Saga as well, so you can also do take that route. Like uh, as a Merc type player, I've had, I've definitely like grind through all the Titans because, by the way, Anoli Heath kills a Primeval Titan. Yeah, it so, <laughs> such an important card, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like um, uh, Anoli Heath 
as a, as a, as a like aggressive shadow player or merc type player, um, we can just kill Titan. You know, you got the ATB and etc. So you just you just get like Urza Saga and you start making token that way. So that's uh-huh. pretty cool that uh, um, you know Amulet Titan has that angle of attack. Yeah, it's a trait you'll see in a lot of modern decks where you are like trying to piece together a kind of combo-esque kind of finish but as a backup you are just playing creatures that turn sideways so yeah you're you're playing six mana six six tramples so if they blood moon you and stuff you do manage to sometimes find two forests or whatever and then you just you play a dryad and you have your colors and you attack them with your big creatures it does it doesn't always work because like if they've got blood moon in play they're probably doing other things but it is still a good plan b so th- there's a tons of the de- ton of decks left. Um, I think we we won't really be able to cover all of them, right? I, I think on my list I still have uh, like bring to light uh, mill, which Andrea already mentioned is like a competitive deck in the format. Heliod Ballista, that that's another like creature based combo deck. Charbelcher, which <laughs> apparently gets to stack his entire deck, which <laughs> is still ridiculous to me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I've, never, I've never seen that doing in paper, but I'm sure it's <laughs> like yeah. he just it's gonna be. <laughs> So hard to handle. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's also like a, a an Urza deck mentioned. Apparently, that's the thing. Underworld breach. Um, uh, just like very quickly, how does Underworld breach kill? Um, I looked oh, yeah. at the list Last, and it looked like two, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I streamed and got a trophy with uh, a blue red Underworld breach. And uh, basically, you have a combo with uh, um, grinding station Underworld breach and the zero card like a Mishra's bubble, and you get to mill your whole deck because every artifact you bring in you mill for three with the grinding station and then you use the three cards to replay the uh the 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 zero drop and untap the grinding station to continue doing that and and then you actually i think the grinding station deals like one damage when you or mm-hmm. how, how do you care you kill them with Tassa's oracle yeah oh yeah so okay so. You have, yeah you <laughs> have so mox, yeah you have mox amber so every time you you bring the mox amber back you float a mana because you have a emerine play so you can just do that yeah. and uh, and kill your opponent really very early. Like you can kill them on turn on turn on turn three if you have a uh, you know Mox Amber and Emery already. In in this vein, as I know, we're trying to skip through some of the last decks, but there is also a Lotus Field deck which uses Underworld Breach to kill. Which for any of the people that like Storm, this is probably where you might want to look. Um, Brian Cook does a bunch of content on it as well on his website, so check that out. But you use Twiddle to untap your Lotus Field, and then mm. is that uh, how it's pronounced? Everybody in Germany calls it Twiddle, but obviously you're the native speaker. It is definitely Twiddle. Okay. Yeah. See, Germany, you're, you got it all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I knew. I knew. I knew it was Twiddlestorm, right? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I love this deck as well. It's it's all like spell based. It is again another Lurus deck, but you're using like Wish Claw Talisman as well. And then the combo is you you have Wish, so you can like get all the combo pieces together pretty consistently, actually. And then you see, use twi- see, for 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 example, I've never heard of this deck before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, I knew Twiddle Storm, but I never heard this new iteration with Wish and Lurus. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Brian, like you mentioned, right? Didn't he even like win a challenge with it or something? Don't think he won one. Um, oh, his marketing sure got me. It always like, yeah, his, yeah. His thumbnails on the videos always <laughs> look like he's winning. Big, big, <laughs> flashy. It's very well done. It's like oh, two drops. Sorry, next video. <laughs> but the combo, I, it took me two two games to work out the combo. Like me getting the combo pieces together and then not being able to work out and losing and then the combo is you tome scour yourself to mill five cards and then you tome scour again and then you twiddle to untap the lotus field to make three more blue mana then you mill your whole deck and then you uh yeah like cast wish for 
Thassa's Oracle usually, or, or Grape Shot is the most common one, actually. Yeah, this used to be the way that it Pioneer combo did. Mm-hmm. And pa- Pioneer now breaches banned. But uh, this used to be the way that you did it in Pioneer. Super cool. cool. And again, like, this deck is five like, 5-0's leagues. It probably does okay in challenges. Like It's, it's actually another... insane how much yeah. is playable in modern. That's... Yeah. And speaking of that, that's actually the, the, the one thing before we close it out tonight. Um, one thing I'm wondering, like, modern is so popular. There's so many playable decks. I mean, we know stuff takes time and Wizards is not going to be like, okay, tomorrow there's going to be a big tournament. And I think, if anything, it's probably going to be a third-party big tournament. But Modern seems prime for like somebody to come in and be like, hey, we're going to have this, well, not a Pro Tour, but a Pro Tour-esque big tournament. Uh, it's probably going to be online, at least for now. And I was wondering, Andrea, if you were to, if you knew you had a big, modern, big, important modern tournament coming up and you were trying to actually work on the format, like what would be the tier one decks that you would i mean i don't know what your actual process for like testing process for a pro tour is like but what would be like the gauntlet like what would be the top decks that you would focus on to try and well, maybe not break the format but win the tournament well so we while we don't have the pro tour or anything like that right now we do have the the, the magical line showcase qualifier this weekend on sunday at uh, 4 p.m i will probably be playing the modern showcase qualifier so oh, so you don't want to reveal what you're going to... Well, I guess if you already no, know it's going yeah, to be th- Red <laughs> No, I think I'll be streaming it, so it's okay, it's okay. Um, I'll be playing uh, Blue Red Murktide, and uh, while uh, that deck is maybe a little bit behind Grixis Shadow, just because you don't have the... Um, you just don't play... I think you don't play as well um, around... Uh, um, like, the Death Shadow deck just having access to this curse spell and... And um, it's really just a little bit more... Um, like, in this moment, I think this spell are really well... Really, really good in the metagame with, you know, just home net, armor time, just Lurus decks, really just weak to it. So I would say that my my love is still towards the Blue Red Murta with Blood Moon Main, but for a PT, maybe I would definitely try and pilot way more Grace's Shadow because I haven't really played that deck very much, just like one or two leagues. But you know, Great Shadow is definitely where I think I can put my my mo- most of my skill. And while like Omnath Blink and Armor Time are also excellent decks, I think that Great Shadow is the best deck in modern. Cool, cool. So you'd be looking at Great Shadow, Blue Red, Merc Tide, Hammer Time. You mentioned Omnath Blink, and is that like somewhat established as as the top decks in the format right now? Like, is Blue White Control up there as well, or is it a bit of a drop off? I would say that if you have to say the tier one, yeah, this is the Shadow Hammer Time Omnath Blink. And, uh, you know, for for personal preferences, I would also put Murktide up there. But uh-huh. I think that, yeah, it's a little bit behind these this, this three decks. But the oh, funny okay. thing is that these are really just top three. And I don't think you can make an argument for one of them being better than the other. And this is why, you know... Uh, of course, like we haven't talked about bands uh, yet, but um, uh, Lurus of the Dream then is the card that it's you know gets the talk for the most like bannable card in the format because it's I mean it's in two of these three decks. Otherwise, all the cards are different in these three decks. Cool, cool. I think that's actually one of the questions that I might have cut. Um, somebody was asking whether you wanted to make any changes to modern or like at least consider them. Um, you, you mentioned Lurus is something that people are at least discussing. Is there is there anything else people really discuss or is, are people just like mostly enjoying the format right now? Yeah, I mean, of course, like you always have the people that want to, you know, ban the cards that they don't own, as I like to say. But 
mostly I think that the reasonable band talk is only for lures. But the reason I think again it's it's there is that you know it's top three decks and two of them play lures, so you kind of be like, all right, then maybe you know if you if you, if you ban lures, then you know this deck don't disappear, but it definitely get weaker. I mm-hmm. would say that Hammer Time still remains up there, but Grixis Shadow definitely gets way way weaker. Lurus is a big part of the deck. Yeah, I think a lot of the arguments for Lurus is like it's just two played. It's not that it's like even oppressively good it's just the the play patterns i think people that play modern a lot are getting a bit bored of or it's a bit too repetitive potentially but i'm not sure i agree with that but yeah, i don't play for, as much for example today i played a league i was playing a blue black control with Luris as a companion and i played like a full league and i'm playing as four Luris, and there were all four different decks mm-hmm. uh, you know and the, and that was like honestly i don't mind that type of thing also in order for me to require a ban, like I'm not a person that requires for ban very, like calls for ban very, very often. Like, and if a format is very much enjoyable right now, and clearly so many people enjoy it, making changes to it might be negative. Like, like I, the I, thing is that- I think modern would get a lot worse without Lurus. It, it, would, it would turn it. It's hard yeah. to say actually. I, I take that back. But it would turn it yeah, completely exactly. on its on its head. Like half the decks would have to reinvent themselves and stuff. It'd be weird. Like, Lurus obviously limits the deck building, which is, like, not very fun. But at the same time, it gives you a reward for playing cheap cards, which I think makes the format more fun. Yeah. It's cool. Like, Hammer Time, when Tide was played a bit more than it is currently, they cut Lurus for, like, Sword of Fire and Ice and stuff. And, like, there are interesting deck building decisions in those kind of senses. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, overall, basically, like, when I have a format that I like... Making making changes to it, like whether it is banning or even unbanning. So many people love to, you know, the the unbanned talk is also a big deal in modern because <laughs> because the, the the ban list is just so old. You know, you have yeah. you have these cards like I don't know, Greenson Zenith, and uh, then there's just there's cards that are there for a long time, and you know, glimpse of nature as you mentioned in the beginning. You know, maybe that's like <laughs> yeah. a safe unbanned, but at the same time, like, do you really want to? Like, what if you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, guys, dude. Ah, I, I, I can't tell you what I want to do in modern right now. Like now that you've <laughs> told me that these decks are really good, like I'm still spiky, right? I kind of wanted to play like maybe even blue white control. I don't know. That that's something about it that that I like. But we yeah. will see. We will see. I will yeah. pick Today- something. Well, like today, guide was very spiky. Like we talked about the best decks. We talked about like the best thing to do. So if you uh, you know, if you're more of a like, I want to go to my to to my F and M and play. I don't know, Esper Reanimator or or whatever you want to do. It's still a very viable thing to do. So when I talked about you know having an answer to Ragavan, always with the idea that you you know just you want to win the tournament in mind, which is not an idea that every every modern player has or every legacy you know just every magic player in general yeah i would if if this is some like legacy players out there this is piqued your interest and like sounds fun i'd recommend just going to mtg goldfish and going to the modern page and just scrolling through because honestly everything is pretty decent and like as we said i like my pet decks are martyr proc and uh, i love dredge as well which is not particularly great but like (laughs) you can totally play these things and just have fun in leagues like you don't need to be playing these top decks in the slightest well dredge is um, definitely back with uh, Otherworldly Gaze. I don't know if you know Oh, yeah, card. yeah. I haven't, I haven't and, uh, watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Dredge is an amazing matchup against uh, Shadow and Murktide. True. Like, whenever I play uh, a league with Dredge, sometimes it happens. I always crush, like, the tier one <laughs> and just, you know, lose badly to, you know, or the. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, the Saga decks and, and so on and so forth. And one last question regarding the metagame, just because it's been part of Modern for so long. Is Tron just like completely gone? Does nobody play Tron anymore? Actually, like this this week I, I trophied with Tron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is the perfect ending. Like we've been talking for two hours about how you can play anything, and then you tell me, okay, this deck that apparently nobody plays anymore. Oh, I just five out with it. Easy. <laughs> no, it wasn't easy. I mean, obviously I got super lucky. Nobody played a Ragavan against me, and Ragavan <laughs> is just such a disaster because not only is just a, a money return it also like casts your sphere and star and so <laughs> it's just and uh, i mean all the all, all the things honestly combined but tron still does tron things and uh well verm convention on turn three is pretty pretty unbeatable for all these like fair decks on top of the on top of the format cool cool i think at this point guys we're gonna close it out we have five I think more very very quick questions. You have these so the many main, fans. These are the main questions. You have you have five, so many fans on our Discord, so they they wanted to know. Um, the very first one. Um, the initial question was, what is more important, winning or playing a, a deck you enjoy? Uh, and I, I kind of responded to that. Well, I guess that depends on the tournament. So we kind of rephrased it. Have you ever chosen consciously chosen not the best deck for an important tournament um, just because you didn't like it? Well, I. I all I can think of is a World 2020, which I mean I didn't know it would have been the last, uh, you know, the last event. Yeah. Um, but I played Mono Red, which is definitely not a, not a thing I I'm famous I'm famous for. But I still chose to play Mono Red because I think it was the best choice. So I would say that it really depend on my uh, moment of my career. I would say that towards the end of the the 2020, 2019, 2020, where it was very very try hard. I would say that no, I always played the best deck, but uh, there have certainly been GPs where I chose like, I don't know, Humans in Modern, for example, just because I like that deck and I didn't want to just learn the best deck. I like I like Humans. Cool, cool. So next question, does pineapple belong on a pizza? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so next one, what is your favorite, what is your favorite card you own? That's pretty cool. What's my favorite card I own? Yeah. <sighs> Khan the great uh Khan the the seven mana one can't remember his name now liberation that one yeah no, no. <laughs> all right i'm gonna go with most expensive one it must be the, the beta black lotus oh you have a beta black lotus is it in the cube or no it's not in the cube no no no, 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 no. <laughs> it's oh, not even in it's not even in my house it's in the bank like i have a safe at the bank where i put the oh didn't That's you actually sick. post that video where you, your father had to break it out of the the um container where it was yeah on? my my father my father opened um a mox sapphire beta on the case yeah <laughs> i love it with like all the chicken kitchen tool mengichi cuisine yeah it was uh, oh my god it was not, did, did it was you know not how much great. it was worth was he nervous? <laughs> Did he know? I don't think he knew. No, but like <laughs> the thing is that I had it and I knew and I wanted to play in the uh, Eternal Week in Paris, two thousand nineteen. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And because uh, I bought it from CFB and it was encased, but I was like, no, you should have opened. You know, <laughs> you know, should have opened it. <laughs> and then like I asked uh, some of the vendors in France and in Paris if they could open it for me. They're like, oh no, we don't take the responsibility. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. what do I do now? And my father just took it and just cracked it and he just said whatever. <laughs> He's like, this can't be that hard. Come on, Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then so, just and then just took only pictures and he didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I, seeing I that on social media. That was amazing. Yeah, and speaking him. and speaking of vintage, what is your favorite vintage deck is is another question. 
Oh yeah, last week I played the Vintage Challenge. Um, it's Grixis Tinker. It must be Grixis Tinker. I've loved that deck. Just, I mean, I used to play Blasted Colossus in play. That used to be my my win con. Now you have Bull Citadel. You have uh, Stings of the Steel Wing, which is very good in a meta game. So that's yeah. the goal of the deck. You also have Ragavan and Urza Saga, which are incredibly powerful in that format as well. So yeah, that's that's my favorite deck. Yeah, playing all the good cards always a good strategy in vintage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, another card that I love to play in vintage is Misdirection. Not enough people play it, I think. <laughs> I haven't heard Misdirection that is like yeah, because force of negation doesn't protect your tinker, but Misdirection does. That's oh, that's true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's smart. Oh, and speaking of smart, you um, I don't know why, but our our um Discord is asking for your financial advice for this year. <laughs> They're okay, asking so, for hashtag Minguchi Finance. Yeah, there's a joke that I always get it wrong. Like oh, I'm not okay. I'm not very good at I'm not very good at it's um how do you say uh speculating on cards. Like whenever I buy like twenty cards, twenty copies of a card, it's always like a, <laughs> it turns to be unplayable. <laughs> Isn't it always Mistress so, Mistress Bulbul that's always going up and down as well? Yeah, oh <laughs> that one too. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I sold when they banned Lurus in Legacy, I sold Mishra's Bubble uh, at the like, you know, at the, like my, my, my mantra is buy high, sell low. <laughs> <laughs> That's the finance so, we were asking for. Yeah. Awesome. No, o- honestly, I retired and now I am buy high, never sell. That's my, <laughs> that's my new, that's my new Manguchi finance. Nice. I buy so many cards, both on Magic Online and in paper, and I just never sell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. You you can never sit on a loss when when you never sell. Exactly. You never sell, it, there's no Exa- loss. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's what they say. People are like, oh, your collection must be worth so much. No, I just I never I never sell, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, Andrea. Thank you so much for giving us the advice for this year. Also, thank you for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us for well, almost two and a half hours now. Wow, this might be the longest podcast episode in the history of Everyday Channel thus far. <laughs> I had a really great time. I'm super excited about modern. Uh, dude, have you ever talked about something that I couldn't get excited about? <laughs> uh, when when Astrolabe and Back to Basics were played together. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> Never mind. Down to earth. Okay, cool. So, Andrea, where can people find your content? You're one of the most prolific um, streamers, but for, for people who've only ever followed Legacy, uh, you do all kinds of magic, right? Yeah, I mean, my life is only dedicated to magic. I usually just wake up and you know, play or think or make content about magic the whole day until I go to sleep. So you can find my content on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. I try to, uh, yeah, try to be Twitter as Mango09 and same on Instagram. Uh, same thing for Twitter, uh, Mango09. And, um, content related, you can find me on twitch.tv slash Mangucci or you can find me on YouTube on Andrea Mangucci video or on channel Fireball YouTube channel, uh, where where they make my well i don't think we've mentioned it yet but channel fireball basically just um just created the, the you know i created with channel fireball the legacy video thing in which i made one legacy video for uh i don't know for a week for like three or four mu- four years maybe five years i don't even know at this point how long but um so the legacy community really welcomed me despite you know i don't go to that many legacy events or stuff like that but um i've really been like yeah just very much welcomed by the legacy community i'm very happy and uh, again thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure 
the 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 legacy video the legacy video maybe sometimes uh, you see a vintage video a proper video a modern video it's more like split now uh but uh i will always uh you know remember the the early days of uh yeah. of all the you know just legacy yeah. players following me it just means we have to get you on again sometimes to talk about legacy now <laughs> cool yeah 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 <laughs> after 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 i'll do well in in a legacy event yeah, I'll come. I'll come. I mean, yeah, really. Thank you for coming on. You've done quite well. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, okay, shoutouts okay, to Channel Fireball. Definitely shoutouts. Big, a big shoutouts to Channel Fireball. They they host a lot of legacy content these days. Um, uh, who, who is it? Um, them. I, I keep confusing the names. Rich Kelly, right? Rich Kelly also posts a lot of legacy content. I don't know legacy content up there. Yeah, Rich Kelly is a writer, so he writes a lot of stuff for them. And Anurag, I think, only writes, uh, only makes uh, videos. You have Reduke sometimes making videos. Um, I usually like do both because, yeah, this is both right yeah. and Andrea and does videos. it all. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> a lot, a, a lot, but I honestly just enjoy it so much. And now I'm way more into YouTube and YouTube is, it's definitely an uh, unexplored thing for me and, uh, it's going well. I like, I like, cool. like uh, focusing on YouTube now. We're definitely going to link all of your links to YouTube, Twitter, everywhere around Twitch. Uh, if you want to find us, we are at EternalMTG on uh, Instagram as well as on Twitter. And if you want to catch me streaming, finally, once our website goes online, uh, I know it's it's a meme for over a year now that our <laughs> website is just around the corner, but now it really is. <laughs> How many corners are there? Uh, yeah, that, that's a question, right? <laughs> There's too many. Uh, you, you can catch me on Twitch TV slash It's Julian. And Callum, I think you also started streaming again, right? Now that you've moved? A tiny bit, yeah. I Yeah, the internet started to go down again. But yes, uh, Callum Smith. What MTG. is it with London? I don't know, man. I need to just plug it in properly. properly. Cool. cool. <laughs> so if you want to support us, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out a lot when people just like try to find legacy podcasts. They can maybe encounter us and see that we're doing a modern episode. <laughs> And if you want to support us on Patreon slash um, patreon.com slash everyday channel. Shout, big shout outs to our biggest supporters on Eternal Witness tier. Tommy Hinks, Testacular, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Bernatz, Bachubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Joel Grenahead, and Paragon Games in St. Louis, as well as all our other supporters on the Discord who sent in so, so, so many questions for Andrea. I I, I can't believe how many questions you guys sent in. <laughs> the de dedication, the passion is real, and, and we, we could really feel that. So thanks a lot for that. And see you again next time when the next episode rolls around. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.